Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. Uh-oh. 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 Somebody's got to try, try again. Try again. Try again. With uh, Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. Oh. Error 404. Oh. Not found. Oh. Kerry oh. uh, is a... Uh, uh, he's been downgraded from questionable to out for today's activities. Uh, we don't need an X-ray result for that one? We do not. No. Oh, okay. No, he, <laughs> we don't have to wait on that one? He's been ruled out of today's game. So okay. it's, it's Brooke and uh, Matthew and Randy. It's great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. We're at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke, how's your ankle feeling today? Uh, it's feeling all right. It's feeling I better guess. than Aaron Rodgers is. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I don't know what else to say, Randy, other than brutal. brutal. Just seeing that. <laughs> absolutely seeing that. I'm sure there's going to be some people texting it today laughing at me because, as you know, even though fantasy, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, right? But oh, I yes, have been talking does. about my fantasy football team, and my team is named after Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was my quarterback. Also, Tua, because we're a two-quarterback fantasy football league here for whatever reason. But luckily, that is working out for me <laughs> in this situation. But what else can you say about that? I mean, all the fanfare leading into it. Did you see the entrance? There were celebrities there mm-hmm. at the game, and then that happens. Oh, man. So if you're just waking up and you got to bed early last night and you didn't see what happened, they played four snaps of the game, and Aaron Rodgers had this occur. Kevin Harlan, the call on Westwood One and here on 101 ESPN. There's the snap. Sets and looks. Look out from the side. He's grabbed, spun, and sacked down. Brought down on the play by Leonard Floyd. Oh, he came rocketing through. He sacks Rodgers. It's a loss of nine, and they're back to the 33 of New York. And that's three plays in a row where there's been pressure up front. We knew that was Rodgers is down. Rodgers is down. Rodgers is pointing to his leg and his, he got up on his feet and then fell down on his own accord and is now sitting up with his elbows on his knees. But Floyd got him and twisted Rodgers and the quarterback for the Jets is down. So what was, what was the other storyline? Was there another storyline in the NFL this offseason besides Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets? I think that might have been the biggest storyline. Yeah, yeah. Four snaps. And after the game, Robert Sala saying, yeah, he's going to have an MRI, but it's, it's bad. And he is going to miss the season, for sure, mm-hmm. with a torn Achilles, which at the age of 39 is something. Heck, at the age of 29, a torn Achilles is really hard to come back from. Yes. Dan Marino had one late in his career. He was never the same. Remember, Kobe had his. Mm-hmm. It was never the same. Hard to imagine that Aaron Rodgers, if he comes back at the age of 40, is going to be the same as he was. Well, just seeing that whole situation play out just felt surreal, right? So you see that happen. He goes over to the tent, and you think, and we even we, we saw the Manning cast, which I actually mm-hmm. enjoyed the Manning cast a lot, and you were seeing their live reactions, Peyton and Eli's yeah. live reactions, and they're like, oh, Peyton was like, he's just going to go to the tent, and he's going to get taped up. It'll be fine. Then all of a sudden, they cut to the shot of Rodgers getting on the cart 
And just the look on Peyton Manning's face, but everybody too at that point where you're like, oh, this is not something you can just tape up. This is very, very serious. And then it was released that they were going to get the x-rays done and that it came back fine. And there were some people celebrating that. And I was like, that's not exactly good because ligaments are a thing. And then you got the results (laughs) at the end there. (laughs) Ligaments are a thing. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen a moment like that just play out where you had so much hype. You had that beautiful moment, too, where Aaron Rodgers came out with the American flag Mm -hmm, and just all that buildup for that to happen. I don't know what else to say. It was just absolutely stunning in the worst way possible. And for the Jets fans, I don't know. Typically, I don't feel sad for Jets fans. But for football fans in general, I think it was a very interesting storyline. And you knew the talent there. You did get to see that with Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. You know that there's a lot of talent there, and this team was expected to do a lot. They were able to still get the win. I wonder how Giants fans feel about this. Oh, Giants fans are probably pretty happy about this. Now, you say in general you feel bad for Jets fans. Mike Greenberg, though. No. I don't either. I don't either. He's insufferable. I, Did you see the videos of him last night? No. He was he was absolutely devastated. His wife and his daughter were giving updates on his status <laughs> last night, saying, if you're wondering how our, our fathers are and dad uh, and husband, he's not doing well. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it goes. It wound up being a, a really interesting game at the end. Zach Wilson led the Jets on a game-tying touchdown drive early in the fourth quarter to tie it at 13-13. Then he leads them on a field goal drive to make it 16-13 with 3.03 left. But Josh Wilson, le- or at 1.48 left when uh, Zerline hit the, the lead field goal to make it 16-13. But Josh Allen leads the Bills back. They end regulation with a field goal to tie it. And we went to overtime, and at the end of Buffalo's first possession, they had to punt. Sam Martin to punt. Deep back, the rookie Gibson. Under the ball, looking into the lights. Makes the catch against his chest, 35. Breaks the tackle, 40. Comes to the near side of the block with the 50. Down the near side, the 40. Room to run, 35-30. Got a block at this, 25 to 20. He goes inside the 15. Breaks the tackle, 5. Touchdown! Touchdown! The Jets have won! The Jets have won! 65-yard punt return by the rookie, Xavier Gibson. I'll say this first. There is no better radio play-by-play guy in football than Kevin Harlow. He's the best. He is. Can we play this one more time? Just listen to the description in the first 10 seconds of this, how he catches the ball and the way that Kevin describes it. Sam Martin to punt. Deep back the rookie Gibson. Under the ball, looking into the lights. Makes the catch against his chest, 35. Breaks the tackle, 40. Comes to the near side of the block with the 50. Down the near side, the 40. Room to run, 35-30. Got a block at this, 25 to 20. He goes inside the 15. Breaks the tackle, 5. Touchdown! Touchdown! The Jets have won! Kevin's pretty good. Kevin's really good, especially with the way that entire game played out. I mean, think about the production team. They had to throw out every little stat that they had ready to go for Aaron Rodgers to update during that game. They're like, you know, going through the archive, like, okay, what what Zach Wilson (laughs) stuff do we have? That whole game, if you were wanting some, you know, just clean, easy football, you didn't get that last night. Mm -hmm. It was all the dramatics. If you want to buy into that conspiracy of the NFL writers just writing up the craziest scenarios, I don't know how they could have even come up with that last night. Yeah, we'll get a commercial about it, I'm sure. Oh, uh, you think they already are working on it today? (laughs) Yeah, they better be. And what is your takeaway with the Bills in that situation? Bills fans have to be kind of shocked with that whole situation playing out. And Josh Allen was also very hyped going into the season, and this is how it played out. That was a chance for them to really take over that game, and instead the Jets became the story. 
I know that we overreact to the first game. I've reached the point now where I think the first NFL game of the regular season is really the fourth preseason game. I don't even care about it. Mm. I, I just the, the good teams are going to rise. They're they're going to rise with the the tide. And yeah, it's it's tough for Buffalo, but no nobody's ready. Nobody plays in the preseason anymore. So no. you need to get a couple of games under your belt to find out who the really good teams are. And Buffalo is going to be a good team. The guy before us, Evan, who's with Michelle, and I, I don't know Evan from Adam, but he was saying, well, the Bills can't trust Josh Allen. Uh, well, Josh Allen wins 11, 12, 13 games every year for you. So I, I would like to be a team that trusted him. I went 15 and 65. Uh, so yeah, I, I would like to have a guy that wins 10, 11, 12, 13 games every year. I could trust that. Here's the question. Do you trust Zach Wilson moving forward? Can we talk about the curse that is the whole Packers to Jets situation, quarterback situation? There has to be some sort of curse because I just think that that playing out in that way. And then with Zach Wilson, maybe you put a hex on Aaron Rodgers because you remember what he said when they were thinking about before getting another quarterback. You remember what he said? He said, if there's if they go and get a quarterback, I'll make I'll make it hell for them. Basically, yeah. And that he, that and sounds like a hex. Is. Yeah, probably is. Yeah, oh, that's a great one. I, I, I bet you he's in his heart of hearts really happy that he has this. You think, and think so? about it, now that he's a starter again. I bet you his mom's best friend really likes him again. <laughs> oh oh no, Randy! No. Yeah, star- hey, I'm a starter in the NFL. <laughs> Randy, by chance, do you have a? Hide you, your mom's. Do you have a pocket Zach impression of a sound that you could say that kind of might have illustrate what? Zach Wilson could be doing, you know, around, you know, what, what kind of person he could be searching around New York for? Uh, I, I'm not sure that I do, sir. <laughs> no? All right. Well, that's fine. Oh, okay. that's fine. I, that I was it. a very specific request it that was. I feel like he has a follow up with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We got it. I got one for you. Okay. Don't worry about it. Did you guys know I can purr? <laughs> oh, my God. He's got to look for the Cougars. <laughs> Keep his eye out for the Cougars. Uh, yeah, Did you guys know I can purr? <laughs> Oh, oh, man. Uh, Brooke, you know one thing about this morning? Uh, we need to have our... There we go. We're together. Okay, so let's start with this. Two years ago this morning, on September 12th of 2021, we were celebrating the first of a 17-game winning streak that the Cardinals enjoyed. The number one of 17, we were celebrating it. Here's another thing to celebrate. Yeah, sure, the Cardinals lost last night by a score of 11-5 to in Baltimore. But we can say, hey, St. Louis won, former St. Louis Browns. But here's the big thing that I'm looking at for the Cardinals as we analyze this game, go in-depth in this game. Here's what we have that's great. Line in a right center field, down for a hit. Here comes Nolan around third. He's going to score without a play. Alec Burleson snaps his over and drives in a big run. It's 5-3 Cardinals. Yeah, that was the last run the Cardinals would score. However, <laughs> of the five that they scored, they didn't need a home run to score any of them. Do we celebrate that? Yeah, totally. Okay. And rainbows, everything yeah. that's wonderful is what I feel when yeah. Go cards. Go offense. Yeah. Uh, and then Andre yeah. Pallante happened. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, are we are we going to bring that part up? In that game, in that situation, you look over, if you're Dakota Hudson, and you see Andre Pallante <laughs> warming up the bullpen. What are you saying to yeah. Ollie Marmol when he comes up to the mound? WTF, Ollie. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> you can't say it. You can't say it. It's unbelievable how things fall apart. And I, the kid's... A, I'm by all accounts, I'm, I'm sure that he's just a, a fine young human being. But the problem is, is that 
he's a pitcher that does not pitch particularly well. So here's what happened. Dakota <laughs> Hudson starts the inning. Adley Rutschman with a base hit. Uh, Gunnar Henderson with a base hit. Then he gets the third hitter to strike out. So he's got one out. Double to center scores Rutschman and makes it a 5-4 game. Then Ryan Mountcastle walked. Andre Pallante came in. Bases loaded. Grand slam by Cedric Mullins. 8-5. Cardinals never ended again. Andre Pallante came in. Grand slam. Game over. It's predictable, right? Yeah, we it is. we knew exactly what was going to happen there, and I assume that maybe. And I didn't get to hear the post game comments from Ali Barmal, but I would put money on it that he says something about that they were looking for the ground ball there. How much oh, you yeah. would have bet? Oh, probably that a seventy nine percent chance of okay. ground ball there. But Palante in that situation, you know what's going to happen there, right? Especially with runners in scoring position we've seen how Palante has struggled with that this season and also high leverage situations is something that I wouldn't exactly feel comfortable putting him in and I don't know in that situation is it terrible to maybe look for a guy that can maybe strike him out but I don't the games don't <laughs> matter now find somebody I mean they wound up what pitching about Jacob Matthew Libertor yeah right give somebody an opportunity because we know this guy, again, probably a nice guy, but professionally, he's kind of scuffling this year. So give him a break. Try to rehome him. Don't want to fire Try anybody. Try to rehome him. Rehome him. <laughs> yeah. You guys finally get a little consistency in the bullpen. This is what we've been wanting all year, knowing what you're going to get when you put that well, pitcher out there. This is what we've been wanting oh, all year. No, that was the opposite gonna, of what we've been asking for. We're going to take a for. shot at some consistency in the bullpen? Come on. <laughs> After last That's night, the worst type of consistency. Geez, it is, yeah. Uh, Palante has a, a 5.25 earned run average. The last seven days, 6.75. Uh, he's pitched in five games in the last seven days. What are we thinking here? Come in fairness, on. I don't think Casey Lawrence has an appearance without le- allowing at least two runs. Don't worry about Casey Lawrence. Okay, I'm just saying. Casey Lawrence is our, All right, fine. Casey Lawrence is our, uh, he's our seven up guy. Seven yes. up, seven down. He is. He is. He's that new guy. Now, yeah. I like I'm saying, in that situation, if you're experimenting around, trying down different guys in different roles, and you say, Katie Wu of The Athletic put out a tweet the other day, that the Cardinals are working on experimenting with Matthew Libertor in some more high leverage one inning situations. What could if be better? If you say that, then why not utilize him in that position? Right. And especially because you're going to have the three batter minimum, right? So you you pitch him against Mullins and see how he does. I'm with you. Uh, that is Brooke. That is Matthew. I'm Randy. Carey is out sick today. He will be back with us hopefully tomorrow. Coming up, is this the worst ever season opening injury in sports history? It's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Brooke Grimsley, I'm Randy Carricker. Matthew Rocchio is here. Kerry Davis is out sick today. And we welcome your text, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Oh, by the way, we still aren't on the YouTube today because, apparently, we're trying to imitate somebody, according to the old <laughs> Google people. Uh, we don't know who. They didn't tell us that. They just suspended our account. They said we were trying to imitate somebody. I feel like they should give like a full explanation. Also, if anybody would love to text in any advice on how we could possibly get our YouTube channel back, 
It seems like it is a pain in the butt. I don't think they have phones at Google. I don't think you can call anybody there and get in touch with anybody. So then you have to email, and nobody checks their email at Google. So And Google owns YouTube, so I think we're kind of screwed. Do they even have a customer service? Because it doesn't even feel like yeah, it. I don't think so. I don't think they do. They're just like, deal with it. That's their motto. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're big. <laughs> deal with it. That's exactly it. What That's, are you going to do about yeah. it? Go to Ask Jeeves. You remember Ask Jeeves? <laughs> Ask Jeeves, yeah. <laughs> That's a great memory. I would not have been able to pull that one out. So last night was devastating for Jets fans. We've been through our share of devastation here with early season, before season injuries. And obviously, the one that stands out to everybody that was the most devastating and turned into one of the most magical things ever was Trent Green suffering his knee injury. And that precipitated the the Hall of Famer Kurt Warner's opportunity to play. But man, we've had a lot here in St. Louis and I know around the, the country, we've had a lot of early season injuries that have just devastated teams. And you had a great one about Mizzou, Brooke. Mine, definitely, I think, when I came here, I just remember being very devastated because of all the hype that was around this specific player. And I think every Mizzou fan knows where I'm going with this And when we're talking about basketball, and that is Michael Porter Jr. That injury and the way that everything played out, that was absolutely devastating. So much hype going into the season. Also for Conzo Martin, that felt like that was supposed to be his big shining moment. His mm-hmm. one shining moment, right? Other than the team hopefully making it to the NCAA tournament or deep in it. But it just felt like there was so much hinging on Michael Porter Jr.'s success, not only for Conzo Martin, but Mizzou basketball's success that year. Yeah, that, that's a big one. 15-year-old Matthew had a, a rough one, too. Yeah, there was two big ones, and one was you know much earlier in the in the uh, late two thousands, and pace went down really early on in like their in their first game of the season, and at that point it was just like okay, so this this offense is going to do nothing. Now. It was Scott Linehan's very first game. Oh, okay, I, I, I forgot about all. that yep. context. I mean, and and who talk about just paving the way for just a complete train wreck? I mean, good lord, that started it rough and it never got much better. Yeah. No, it, it was God. not good at all. Uh, I have a couple. Number one, the Cardinals coming off of the World Championship in 2006, Chris Carpenter starting, yeah. yes. and then uh, suffers the elbow injury, has to undergo Tommy John. And that really kind of was the, the beginning of the end for Walt Jockety. The Cardinals have a losing season. Jockety doesn't play well with Jeff Luno. They fire him at the end of the season. You have to believe that the Cardinals would have been a lot better had Chris Carpenter been available. And then another one that the Cardinals wound up actually getting lucky on because things fell their way, but it was the first day of spring training in 2011 when Adam Wainwright went down with his elbow injury, and the Cardinals were able to weather that storm and and go and win the World Series. But I remember because he was going to be the ace that year. Carpenter had kind of uh, been matched by Waino in terms of Mm -hmm. being a number one, and so that was a devastating blow for the Cardinals as well. I'm trying to think of some other good ones, and I I put this out on Twitter last night, or excuse me, X, formerly known as Twitter. I still have to get used to that. That's that's going to mm-hmm. take a while. People oh, kept mentioning Tom Brady in oh, 2008. Yeah. Oh, that was great. That was great for yeah, you. Bernard, Bernard Pollard, my favorite player. I think we might have. Did you cheer, Randy? Oh, big time. Oh, yeah, I, no. That used to be my screensaver on my computer for years. Bernard Pollard hitting Brady's knee. See if you can find the sound of because Ryder had that. Uh, Bernard Pollard or uh, the, it was Len Dawson. Brady is hurt. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were the days. See if you can find Brady's hurt because that that, that Brady uh, against uh, Kansas City opener two thousand eight. Yeah, that was. I, bad. Get, I get goosebumps. You get excited yeah. about that one. Oh, that was so fun. <laughs>
yeah. <laughs> going back to the the Adam Wainwright one specifically and Chris Carpenter, what was the feeling like amongst everybody here when that happened? Well, with Carpenter, because the Cardinals were coming off the World Series, I think we were still reveling and thinking, oh, we can get by with, uh, without Carp. We got a lot of good things going on here. And no, we, we could it not just get exposed by. everything. Right, right. And the same thing with Adam, because it was Carp and, and Adam were 1 and 1A by that point. And I think they had finished like second and third together in the Cy Young voting for the 2009 season. And at that point, Wainwright was in his prime and you didn't think, oh, he's not going to get hurt. And then we learn on the first day of spring training that he's going to have to undergo Tommy John. So that really did, it, it did catch everybody's surprise and was devastating. <laughs> oh, here it is. What do you got, Matthew? Brady is hurt. He's down on the leg. He got whacked just as he threw that football. It should look like a knee injury. Bernard Pollard was my favorite player for a long time. <laughs> and then we cut to Randy well, dancing around. I was going to say. Like, this is the perfect yeah. situation. I was going to say, you can do a karmatic cut to just 2014 when Sam Bradford goes down in the preseason. Yeah, that as, was as, uh, untouched, by the way. Oh, that oh. one was heartbreaking in yeah. so many ways. He 14-4, and four, touchdown interception ratio the year before, like mm-hmm. career high in passer rating. And you know a bunch of other stats, and it's just like, all right, we're gonna get back on the road after that, that shortened season next year, all healthy, and then, bam, just crumples, and you're like, cool, cool. Yeah, oh, uh, we've got some great texts. Here's one. Perhaps the best running back ever to come out of this town in high school was Tony Van Zant of Hazelwood Central, oh. and uh, Mizzou's getting ready to start training camp, and he's in, a, in an all-star game and tears up his knee, and never was what he was supposed to be, but he he was Eric Dickerson. And that was devastating for Mizzou and, and Mizzou fans. Great call uh, on that one. Uh, somebody pointed out Kijana Carter, first pick in the draft for the Bengals, getting hurt uh, early on in his career, on, in his first game. That could have changed the fortunes of the Cincinnati Bengals for a while. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, in the World Baseball Classic this year, I wonder how much the Mets were affected by Edwin Diaz getting that hurt. Just, that, maybe that was kind of to show what was to come for the season mm-hmm. for the Mets because I just remember how devastating that injury was and just the way that it played out. He was just celebrating. He yeah, was just right. celebrating. Yeah. And then you were able to see that all happen, that joy, and then all of a sudden realizing what had happened. And we maybe should have known that yeah. that was like there was a it's curse coming, good. bad omen coming with the Mets. How would you like to be in New York after all of this? Yankees suck, Mets suck, (laughs) Giants got smoked 40 to nothing. That's what I was saying earlier. Like, for Giants and Jets fans, like, what what is going on right now? Because you can't even have the people who switch around. You know you've seen those fans where they'll kind of Uh pick the team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know the happiest people right now in in, and around New York are? It's got to be the people running the Nets because they're like, man, we're going to suck and we're just going to run under the radar completely. (laughs) No one's going to talk about it at all. Yeah. Completely buy it. So it, it's amazing how the emotions of an entire town. I'm sure New York is devastated this morning. All the if you're Giants fans that hate the Jets, Jets fans that hate the Giants, everybody in New York is miserable this morning. Yes, but what's new? Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm just kidding. No, that was a New Yorker, a New Yorker if, joke. If you have to live there, <laughs> no. If you have to live there, there's somebody right now on the air or writing for like the New York Post that's making the point that uh, Giants wish their quarterback got injured like that or it's like there's some kind of like <laughs> right. there's some kind of joke like that's, that being made somewhere in New York right now 100%. 100%. I can see that. And I know that in New York too, they definitely media-wise have the reputation of being a lot harder even if things mm-hmm. are going well. At this point, 
they're running. They are. They're like, this is too much to write about. Yeah. Now, quick take it or leave it for you guys. And I know take it or leave it is coming up at seven forty-five. Take it or leave it. Aaron Rodgers plays another game in the NFL. Ooh. Thirty-nine. Now I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to leave it. I okay. feel like I feel like this is something, especially at his age. And he was, remember, considering retirement, he was going back and forth with it. I think that this could just be career ending, possibly for him. I think he's heading into the darkness today. <laughs> the darkness retreat <laughs> starts now. You can just picture it now, though, like him giving this like really like this like histrionic speech about like what this moment taught him about who he is as a person. And at that point, there's a fork in the road, and I have no idea if it's going to be. And because of that, I have to play one more year, or you'll never see me again. And I think it's going to be kind of a coin flip, but we're going to get a giant big Aaron Rodgers moment on the Pat McAfee show where we don't know which way it's mm-hmm. going to go, and it's going to have nothing to do with football. And he's going to be talking about hands all over him again, and then he's going to be like, yeah, and I'm, that's why I'm going to play for the Carolina Panthers. He's going to go right. back Something into like the that. darkness retreat and think about this. He was speaking about manifestation before the game and speaking things to existence so maybe he can speak it into existence that this heals quickly but what is the recovery time you think for especially his age is that going to be added on even more i remember watching dan marino come back same injury and his was later in the season but it was an achilles and it was sad to watch dan marino try to play after that injury it was just Mm -hmm. sad because he'd been so great and i can't imagine that Rodgers will ever come back and be as crisp and as fun as he was before this injury. But you also see how exciting this team is. As we were talking about mm-hmm. with Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, there's a lot of talent there. Maybe that is something that would possibly lure him back where he says, I can't walk away from that. Right. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. And this is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis out sick today. Coming up next, we've got our bird watch. Or is it bird droppings on 101 ESPN? The smartest way to do your homework is Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the Opening Drive. All right, Bird Watch or after an 11-5 loss, Bird Droppings. Whatever you choose. There you go. Brooke, what do you got? Mine? Oh, you're going to be so yeah! happy, Rock. Oh, Rock is what? so happy. No. I said it in the update. They lost. No, you're going to be. Listen to me. Listen to me. You're going to be excited because it is a bird dropping. You have to be so proud of me. I'm not doing I'm not doing I'm sunshine so and lollipops oh today. Oh my God. Look, look, his his heart grew a size bigger. That's <laughs> the Grinch. You call me the Grinch. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. So we were painting the picture for you guys earlier where Ollie Marmal 
color me surprised, right? Gives a pitcher the hook, maybe a little bit too early. Dakota Hudson in this situation, and maybe you leave Dakota Hudson in, maybe you don't. But there are other options in the bullpen. And look, we can talk about it all season, all the rest of the season that is left. This bullpen is not good. We know that. And I know that there has been times where maybe there isn't some options to go to. But in that situation, you're Dakota Hudson. You see who's behind you warming up. What do you think Dakota Hudson's thinking his head of what's going to happen in that situation with the bases loaded? We're going to lose this game. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And everybody else realizes that, too. With Andre Pallante this season, and I was talking about this earlier during the break, the last seven games in five and two-thirds innings pitch, he has only had how many strikeouts? If you had to guess, in the last seven games. I went with zero. Okay. And Rocchio, you went with? I went with two. And he has only had two strikeouts two. during that time. In that situation... That's not swing and miss stuff, bro. No, that's not swing and miss. That's not the new pitching philosophy mm-hmm. that you're looking to hopefully start. But to be fair, they did say they're going to look at that pitching philosophy moving forward. I guess not exactly for the rest of the season. And I'm sure we couldn't get Ollie on the postgame comments. They didn't post it on Bally Sports Midwest. But I'm sure he was going to say or said something along the lines of he was probably looking for the ground ball there with Palante, and it didn't happen. Why not just go to a guy that is able to get a strikeout? Why not? Or try somebody else. Five games in seven days for Palante? You know what's going to happen with Andre Palante, right? Right. You know exactly what's going to happen in that situation. And maybe they're just trying to figure out if they do see him any part of next season. But I feel like we've kind of already known that for a while now. If he's going to be a part of 2024, by the way that he's performed this season, I would say that you can't have him a part of that bullpen moving forward. I would agree with that. And I'm, I'm a, uh, a visionary. I'm not a visionary. I'm, I'm somebody who envisions situations. And Pallante came in and allowed a grand slam last mm-hmm. night. Could you envision Casey Lawrence coming in and doing the exact same I, thing? I could. Jacob Barnes finished the game. Could Jacob Barnes come in and allow a grand slam? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Give somebody else a chance to do it. Because why not? What else do you have to lose if you're experimenting for the rest of the season? And this is another part of, once again, the mixed messages that are being put out there where I think are sometimes they put themselves in these situations where you could say if you're a media member or even a fan where it's like, wait a minute, you said this one thing and then this happens. If Katie Wu of The Athletic tweets out literally three days ago that you are going to start as a Cardinals organization experimenting with Matthew Libertor in high leverage, one inning situations, then why not utilize him in that manner? Because we even saw him this weekend do that. And, Brooke, that brings me to my bird dropping. Okay, you are looking towards 2024. The Cardinals have said for a long time they're looking to 2024. Then why the hell are we seeing Palante and Verhagen and Andrew Suarez and Jacob Barnes <laughs> thank who are not you. going to be here yes. in 2024? Let's, thank that was you. The bullpen. Why don't we see? We talked yesterday in the fight. Adam Wainwright made his debut on September 11th of 2005, came up from the minors. They gave him an opportunity. He was in the bullpen in 2006. The Cardinals 
have done that with numerous pitchers over the years. Why aren't we seeing Gordon Graceffo? Why aren't we seeing the pitchers that they got from uh, Baltimore or Toronto or Texas in the trades that sent away all of their free agents to be? Why are we not seeing Michael McGreevy at least just to come up and be in the bullpen? Why don't we see what the future looks like? Because if this is what our future looks like, Palante, Verhagen, Suarez, and Barnes, we're in trouble. Why not give somebody else an opportunity? It drives me crazy that there is no apparent vision of the future on the part of the Cardinals. Thank you. Exactly. Because it's really just kind of frustrating, especially when you go and say, oh, we're still trying to win. We're still trying to compete. Seriously? When you do that in that situation, does that seem like you're making moves, you're doing things to be tactical and like you're actually trying Mm -hmm. to win? And I know the Cardinals will say, well, we got 40-man issues. I can solve your 40-man issues. You can DFA Verhagen, Suarez, and Barnes. That gives you three spots on the 40-man right there if you want to bring people up that aren't on the 40-man roster. I I am just really frustrated, and we're all frustrated by the results, but I'm frustrated by the apparent lack of foresight that this organization has experienced now for several years. And just go back to the way they treated last offseason and the way they spent money Uh, on Contreras last offseason. And again, we don't blame Wilson Contreras, but should they have spent $87.5 million and bid against themselves for a catcher that, as they said themselves, they didn't want to catch for a long time? Credit to him, by the way, for bouncing back and being what he has been. But Andrew Kisner had a really good year last year. Maybe the Cardinals should have spent a little less money on Contreras and maybe a little more money on their pitching. If you have to allocate funds, maybe they should have allocated some towards pitching. And so that's one part of the lack of foresight. This is another part of the lack of foresight. Would this have happened against Tony Lewis, uh, under Tony Lewis or Whitey Herzog? No, would not have. You would not have seen this happen. As a matter of fact, let's go back to the Cardinals' last losing season, shall we? I'm looking at 2007 sure. right now. Let me get to the schedule and results. 2007, Cardinals are bad. Not this bad, 78 and 84. But let's go to September 11th of 2007. And I don't even know. I'm just going to tell you who uh, uh, about the way the bullpen was utilized in a 7-2 loss, okay? Uh, they hold on. I, I am working, 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 scrolling, scrolling. Here's the box score. Okay, so it's a 7-2 loss to the Cincinnati Reds. And the Cardinals uh, had Tyler Johnson who had been a big part of the past. Mm-hmm. And you had Jason Isringhausen still, in addition to Troy Percival, who was under a one-year contract, but that year had a 2.18 earned run average and was really good. Wound up pitching only that one year. But you had pitchers that, uh, you, you had a young guy in Tyler Johnson, and then you had your established closer in Jason Isringhausen. The Cardinals weren't, Tony was never going to throw away games. I get the sense that with this bullpen, they're throwing away games. That's what it feels like. That is 100% what is happening in this situation because there's no other way to explain this. Right now, I was looking at the second half of the season, and based off of how they were talking about things, that was the purpose of the second half of the season is to experiment, to give some younger guys some opportunities. It was great that they brought up Mason Wins so that he can kind of get some of this learning curve out of the way before next season. Jordan Walker has been doing better, too. Why not just figure out what roles people should have? That's why I was saying with Matthew Libertor there, if you say yeah, that he's going to be in high the, leverage situations, then why not Why not try that? If you're trying to figure out roles and have them defined for next season, you need to do that. 
And another thing that is frustrating there that you're you're touching on is the accountability. I I would hope that when the season ends, there is some accountability because I feel like that's the only way people will feel comfortable moving forward, that there will be some sort of change and we won't see things like we saw even last night that has happened several times this season going into next year. And the media, all due respect to all of you who think that, oh, you need to hold people accountable. We don't fire anybody. We, we wish don't. we had that sort of power. That'd be, o- that'd be cool. Yeah, it would be nice. Yeah. Uh, Bill DeWitt Jr., Bill DeWitt III can hold the baseball side accountable or they can hold themselves accountable. They haven't done a lot of that, but they can hold themselves accountable for it, too. It'd be nice to say, yeah, I'm going to own this. This is on me. I'd love to have somebody say that. that, that you know, hey, buck stops here. It's on me. Haven't had that yet. Also, you bringing up Lurus is just it just shines a light on. The, the fact that there is no ingenuity, there's no creativity mm. with the bullpen. And obviously with, with Tony just completely changing how baseball would look at relief pitching, you know, on the fly, essentially, mm. when, when he had to cobble something together, that that's what we saw was creativity. And yeah. there just there hasn't been any of that for the Cardinals. And it's not just this coaching regime, by the way. It's, it's, it's since Tony left. And I don't like the excuses or to scapegoat people because it does seem like they – are saying basically that they were putting a lot on Ryan Helsley this season Mm -hmm. and his success, and then the injuries happen. Once again, you're buying in on a player who has had, you know, injuries in the past, and it's not – Ryan Helsley not being available this whole year is not the reason why this bullpen is successful. Because, Brooke, you could have lost Helsley, right? Yes. If you had Wilking Rodriguez, you've got no problem. Exactly. Those two, if only. Yep. <laughs> Coming up on 101 ESPN, we've got Take It or Leave It. Text in 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Oh, by the way, you know somebody who really does a great job of building and creatively, creatively utilizing a bullpen? You know who? Who? Joe Madden. Joe Madden. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. I'm waiting for that one. Till the next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com. And start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Brooke and Matthew and Randy, Carrie is out today. We welcome your text, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Okay, Brooke, take it or leave it. With the fact that the Bills and the Jets beat the Bills last night, all due respect to the New York Jets, but the Bills and the Dolphins are in the same division as the New York Jets who have to play Kansas City. They have to play Dallas next week. Take it or leave it, the Jets are in a battle with Arizona for the first pick in the draft. Oh, the Jets are in it? I, I might have to leave that one. I I don't know. I think the Jets still have some talent there. They do. And it will be interesting to see what happens with Zach Wilson. I, I don't think I can take that one. Okay. It was going to be tough for the Jets even with Aaron Rodgers. Here's their yes. early season schedule. Their, their first eight games, uh, you've got at Dallas next week. You've got the Patriots at home. You've got the Chiefs at home, Sunday Night Football. Then you go to Denver. 
You've got Philly at home. You're at the Giants. You've got the Chargers at home. And then you go to Vegas before you go to Buffalo and, and get Miami at home. That's a brutal schedule. That even is. Even with Aaron Rodgers. Well, and especially with the way that the Cowboys performed mm-hmm. this past week. I don't know if that's real or not, but I'm sure that there was probably some excitement when they saw what happened last night of like, oh, we have a chance at this. Right, right. <laughs> we have so, even ooh. more of an opportunity. Yeah. So it'll be I, that'll be a tough one to see how it plays out. Take it or leave it, just a follow-up to that, but not my real take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. The Jets are going to go out and get a established quarterback to help them for the rest of the season. I am going to leave that. Not an established good quarterback. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Josh Johnson is still out there. He's, I'm sure. He, I think he might be somebody's backup right now. But he, he's out there. Mm-hmm. But I would say that uh, maybe Nick Foles or something like that. Really? Yeah. Why I not? I see that. But I uh, I don't even know. They they didn't have a real backup last night. They, yes. Zach Wilson was their only guy. So they'll pull a guy up off the practice squad. But yeah, I, I would think it makes sense for them to go out and get a veteran guy. They've already been there, done that with Joe Flacco. Matt Ryan's already retired. Brady's not coming out to play for the Jets. Oh, X was wild on yeah. social media last night with everybody like, wait, is this how this is going to play out? Yeah. This would be crazy if Tom Brady found a way to come back. That'd be fun. <laughs> but no, that's not happening. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm intrigued by how the, the way that this all unfolds. And I, I feel really bad for Robert Sala. Yes. And by the way, Green Bay fans, you know, the draft pick got better the more Rodgers played. So mm-hmm. I, I wonder how Packer fans feel about this. Yes, you you probably are thrilled that he's not going to play in his career, basically ended as a member of the Packers. But if he would have played well for the Jets, the draft pick Im- improves. Yeah. Or just played for the Jets, the draft pick improves. So now the conditional pick for Green Bay doesn't wind up being as good. I don't know. I feel like Packers fans probably feel pretty good about their decision, especially with the so. way that Jordan Love yeah. has played. Okay, my real take it or leave it, guys, is I don't know if you saw, there was uh, some tweets or X's put out the other day about some weird fans inside SoFi Stadium. Did you guys see that? I did not. In, in that Chargers game, there were robot fans at the game, supposedly to promote a movie. But take it or leave it, that is Stan Kroenke's ideal fan because it's somebody you can control and doesn't have any emotions. I will 100% take that. <laughs> you are so leave, right. I'll leave it, though. You know, I'll leave it because they don't have their own money. Oh, he needs that money. Somebody. Yes. It's for promoting a movie? Yeah, Somebody's paying it. There, yeah, there's a movie coming out that has to do with uh, robots. And so they had really. Like, they I've had, never heard of that. There's movies yeah, that come right? out with robots, and so they had it's a crazy, what a crazy yeah, new concept. Um, about as inventive mm-hmm. as the usage of the Cardinals bullpen. Asimov turns in his grave, and they put they had them walking <laughs> around the Chargers game and freaking people out. Well, like they were I told and... everyone in the room today that I have not been able to <laughs> understand the emotion since 2002. Wait, you know is what? he the robot? Is, is, is he the robot? <laughs> He's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he made one of himself just to have one. You saw the Jerry Jones AI yeah. hologram thing that's going to go and speak to people for yeah. whatever reason so, and give them advice. Yeah, any Anytime Jerry Jones talks, the intelligence is artificial. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> <laughs> I almost choked on my coffee with that one. <laughs> well, get, uh, we, we got to get uh, we got to get the Jerry Jones cuts going up here. We, I, I don't have those. I need those. So, all right, what do we got on the text line there, Matthew? Oh, I know what take you're looking. Josh Allen had almost as bad of a night as Aaron Rodgers. Ooh, oh, I'll take it. I'm gonna take that. Yeah. What in the world was that last night? And maybe, hopefully. I, I guess for the sake of Bills fans, which once again would never cheer them on, but love football. 
maybe like you were saying earlier, it's just his preseason. Yeah. But that that looked rough. Yeah, four turnovers and three interceptions. Yeah. Jets defense looked good. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Mike Trout's on a new team in 2024. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. All right, take it or leave it. New York is calling. I'll take that. The The Yankees have been looking for a center fielder forever. He grew up a Yankee fan. The Angels, I'm sure, will pay a, a large portion of his salary. The template's already been set with what the Rockies gave the Cardinals in the Arenado deal. So I'm going to go with Trout to the Junkies. So seven years, thirty-five and a half per. So it's like seven twenty. Let's call it seven and two forty because I don't want to do the math hundred percent right now. Uh, seven and two forty. The Angels are paying sixty. Are the Cardinals saying no when the Angels call them on the phone? Yes, Cardinals say no. Wow. Yeah, because he's hurt all the time. Okay. Uh, what would it, exactly? What would be the purpose of doing that? Have we not had enough? We got Tommy Edmond. <laughs> Butts and seats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good second Butts baseman. Uh, oh, but then we'll have Dylan Carlson. No, you're not. Uh, take your leave. You know, who, by the way, may come back this year. Did you see that? Really? Was that yeah. last night? Cortison shot in his ankle and stuff. Yeah. Wow. So, so he can come back and play a couple more games, get hurt one more time. Oh, Randy, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Poor Dylan Carlson. Poor guy. I love him. There's a lot that's happened. Take it or leave it. Jaguars shock the world and they beat the Chiefs in two weeks. It's this week, isn't it? I think it's at Kansas City. I think it is. I'm going to take it. Sorry. He said in week two. I read that it's in two weeks. Yeah. I'm going to take it. Is there any update on Travis Kelsey? Uh, Apparently, they're thinking that he'll be able to go. Mm. But uh, Trevor Lawrence. Well, okay. Chiefs feared worse for Travis Kelsey. Week two update. So I'm going to have to take it then. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, just seeing his progression has been really exciting. And I, I'm saying that as a Titans fan, so I know that that is shocking because I never want to root for the Jags' success. But Trevor Lawrence is from Tennessee, and so I always root for the home guy's success. But he's very, very talented. I wonder who, And he has a lot of weapons around him, oh, too. He does, yeah. I wonder who the Eagles fans root for in the Andy Reid versus Doug Peterson matchup. <laughs> And by the way, they've got it pretty good themselves, too. <laughs> yeah. But isn't that amazing that they can have the the, uh, the Eagle Bowl against two Super Bowl coaches from their franchise yeah. that aren't coaching for them anymore? <laughs> Wonder the feelings there. Yeah, I'd like to have those. Wouldn't you love to have those feelings? Well, it would be nice to have a football team, first of all. But as a Titans fan, wouldn't it be cool to have a couple of co- coaches that had taken your team to the Super Bowl that are still coaching? Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. Take it or leave it. If you're Trey Lance, you're thinking you got traded a little too early. Ooh, I will. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I think Trey Lance might be in a good spot to be developed, though, mm-hmm. because he hasn't played. He, he, I'm sure he wants to play. He should not play right now. He's just not ready. And he needs to be developed, kind of like Jordan Love was. Yeah. And look how, how that's paid off, at yeah. least so far. Yeah. Take, take it or leave it. St. Louis gets an NFL team before they win another Stanley Cup. Oh, I'm going to have to leave That's that. A yeah. long After, gap before that happens, maybe. Yep. Oh, well, I think, sadly, I think St. Louis deserves to have an NFL team. We've seen how much fans show up for things. But after that settlement, that was closing the door on the NFL ever possibly mm-hmm. returning. That and while our market is decreasing in size, we haven't had an increase in population in our metro area since the late 60s. People are leaving St. Louis. And 
there are cities that are gaining in population that don't have teams on a regular basis, Sunbelt cities specifically. Mm-hmm. And Roger Goodell just said last week, they want to have a division in Europe. They want to have a whole division in Europe. So, no, St. Louis is not getting another NFL team. It's sad. Yeah, it is. Ever? As Mike Grieco said, yeah, there I are know. 32 pieces of gold out there, and if you have one, you got to do everything you can to keep keep it. We did, and the league still took it from us. And that's why they paid us $790 million. Yeah. What What about when I'm like 75 and nope. the league expands to 38? Nope. It's not, not happening. Because if they go to, if they would go to, there are 32 now. If they would go to 36 right now, four of the franchises would be overseas. Yeah. And they're still. What they, about after that fails? Toronto, you're going to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you still have the. Hmm? Yep. You, you, you have. I know that you're right next to Tampa, 90 minutes, but you still have Orlando, which is an attractive market for them. We can, and it, 50 years from now, it's going to yeah. be like the Havana Pirates or something yeah, right. like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, like we, we aren't getting in. And by the way, who the hell would build a stadium in St. Louis? Because the NFL is not building it and the government's not building it. So who builds a stadium for a diminishing market? Yeah, for corporate sponsorships, yeah, that, right. that matters a lot. And now the expectation, we've talked about this before, the expectation for NFL owners is that you're able to get your city, basically, to pay for everything. If you look yeah. at Nissan Stadium, the updates, $2 billion. Mm-hmm. And who's yeah. footing the most of the bill of that? Taxpayers. Exactly. There you go. Let's get one more there, Matthew. Take it or leave it. Chat GPT should manage the Cardinals for the rest of the season. <laughs> I'd actually really enjoy that. Actually, someone to see should, how that would play someone out. Should just, someone should just, for every day, just be like, Chat GPT, what should the Cardinals lineup be I today? I love that. Chat okay. GPT, it's the fifth inning. And it's the bottom of the fifth inning. Two outs, two on, a left-handed batter, and a right-handed pitcher. <laughs> what should, what, what, which reliever should I go to? Let's set it up. I like that, and we can even like can, can we in chat G, in in that in chat. Can you like plug in like who's going to be the starters, or even if we plugged in the lineup, can it give us like a full game scenario? Possibly. I mean, I'm sure, sure can, they do that already. It can pull from. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we find out that that's actually what the Cardinals. Is. <laughs> it's literally a shot for shot perfect oh, no. thing of what happens to the Cardinals game. We're that like, night. wait a minute. <laughs> this we, did we stumble upon? <laughs> we stumbled upon a big conspiracy theory. There, we're like, uh oh. We got Game. Um, can you guys please stop? <laughs> Men can in black show up it? and they wipe our memory. Like, you know too much now. Everybody have a little cardinal pin on the lapel. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up, the uh, reaction after the game last night to the Aaron Rodgers injury. And what's this mean for the AFC East? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And that's three plays in a row where there's been pressure up front. We knew that was Rodgers is down. Rodgers is down. Rodgers is pointing to his leg and his... He got up on his feet and then fell down. 804 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker. Kerry Davis out sick today. That was Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner with the call last night here on 101 ESPN and Westwood One. Aaron Rodgers apparently out for the year with a torn Achilles. Moments later, Brooke, we saw on TV Rodgers being placed on the cart and taken back to the locker room. And this was the reaction of Peyton Manning on the Manning cast on ESPN2. Is in the tent. He's not. He's hurt. That's, he's hurt. Could not have been. Holy cow! I cannot believe this. 
I thought it was just an ankle. I thought we'd go. T- I thought we'd go tape it up and get him back in there. Come on. Hey, three, three plays, four plays. <laughs> the reaction is so real mm-hmm. there with Peyton Manning and Eli. Well, for one, Eli looked. He had that same facial expression, the kind of like stunned look the entire entire mm-hmm. game. But with Peyton Manning, I felt like that was everybody watching that game in that moment, whether you're a Jets fan or not. Where you say, "Holy." I don't think everybody said cow, though, at home. I think people at home said something else because that was absolutely shocking. You do think, okay, just like as Peyton was going through breaking it down there, you think, oh, he's just going to get his ankle taped up. It's Mm -hmm. fine. That's what it is. And then you see him go on in the cart and you're like, oh, this is very serious. And I didn't want to see it. And this is one thing I hate about social media is where you get all the slow-mo replays. Mm -hmm. And then there was a couple of slow-mos that were out there I didn't want to see, but they come across your social media feed anyways. And you're like, oh, that's Achilles for sure. Yeah. Do you think as uh, we go through this, do you think Jets fans today are thinking at all about the fact that they won the game? Um. Maybe a little bit, but Achilles injuries, season ending, I think that that just kind of haunts. It's like a dark cloud that's just right there while you're trying to enjoy. Maybe you're out and walking, you know, like dark clouds are rolling in with with the storm. That's probably what it feels like to be a Jets fan today. After the game last night, Robert Sala, the Jets head coach, on the latest regarding the Rodgers injury. All right, I'll uh, deal with the quarterback real quick. uh, concerned with his Achilles, uh, MRI is probably going to confirm what we think is already going to happen. So prayers tonight, but it's not good. And uh, what about the fact that Rodgers left the game after only those four snaps? That part sucks. I'm going to enjoy this win. Winning in the NFL is hard, regardless of who the quarterback is. Um, personally, I don't hurt for me. I, I don't hurt for our locker room. I hurt for Aaron and how much he's invested in all of this. You know, so I, I'm still going to say a prayer. I'm still going to hold out hope, uh, but. Uh, you know, my, my, my heart's with Aaron right now not, and nowhere else. And that's a one-year recovery. He will, he'll maybe be back for training camp next year, but at the age of 39, it's really hard. And, Brooke, we talked earlier about some of the older players that have suffered Achilles injuries. The uh, Obviously, Kobe Bryant injury was devastating, and he was never the same. And the one that I remember, because it was a quarterback, a, a, an older quarterback, was Dan Marino, who mm. never looked the same. And he didn't – he wasn't as nimble as Aaron Rodgers was Rodgers would lose a lot if he lost his mobility. Yes, and there was just so much hype going into the season, right? With Aaron Rodgers going into the darkness retreat, coming out of the darkness retreat, deciding that he is going to play and not retire. Then you have, you know, the additions that they've had. You know the talent in Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. You you were able to still see that last Mm -hmm. night, but then for that to happen so quickly after all that hype, I mean, even him coming out of the tunnel with the American flag, just seeing that scene all the celebrities there and that's what happens just so early on in that game that is absolutely just crazy to watch if we're talking about nfl script writers that is the craziest script i think that you could ever mock up so now it's zach wilson taking over as the starter his reaction to the rogers injury you know i've uh, i've so much love for him so you know uh, you know my heart goes out to him i have no idea what's happened i got to see my halftime for a second but you know i i know you know, he'll find a way to keep keep working to get back, but that, that's tough. It hurts us as a team, you know. But my job as a quarterback is I got to step up and I got to be able to be efficient as I can in that offense. And a lot of emotions, right? Like week one, opening day, you know, um, trying to learn as much as I can from this guy, but I also got to make sure I'm ready to go. And 
so a lot of motions. You know, you got to be able to try and stay calm and, you know, go out there and try and perform the best you can. Wilson, 14 of 21 for 140, a touchdown and a pick last night. Last year, I didn't even realize this. He was 5-4 and four as the Jets starter. I wonder if he has learned enough from Aaron Rodgers and grown up enough, because that was one of the problems that Zach Wilson had was his level of maturity. You don't say. <laughs> well, some mature people thought that he was fine. Okay. Uh, well, at least one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but mm. I, I wonder if they can win with him. He was the second pick in the draft. He was pretty good physically uh, coming out of BYU. Can, do they have enough surrounding him? You mentioned all the offensive talent. Their defense is top five in the league. Their do they have enough to win with? spectacular. Yeah. And we know their special teams can win games for them. Yes. I. That's my concern is... Has he had enough time to work under Aaron Rodgers? And is he comfortable enough? I think, too, getting past that mental hurdle of, oh, I'm going to be the starter for the rest of the season. And that says that sounds easier than maybe what it is. But getting past that hurdle, because, you know, if Aaron Rodgers is in front of you, how many games are you going into the season expecting to play? You should be ready every game. But how many are you theoretically expecting, if you had to guess? Zero. Exactly. And so then it's getting past that mental hurdle. Hopefully he's been paying attention to everything and he's going to be ready to go because this is a huge opportunity for him because what else are they going to do in this situation? It has to be Zach Wilson the rest of the season. I know that we already got some texts in that I've seen from people, one from the 636, enter Tom Brady into the situation. I don't there it doesn't seem like there is somebody that you could bring into this situation right now where it would work out. Tom Brady is a part owner of the Raiders. So he couldn't. No. Yes. He would have to divest himself of that. He is already officially retired. He was honored by the Patriots on Sunday before their game. They're going to honor him in June with a sold-out stadium as he goes into their Hall of Fame. You already had the the rivalry. Bill Belichick left the Jets, announcing that he was leaving the Jets uh by writing it on a napkin, I resign as HC of the NYJ. <laughs> you are not going to see Tom Brady suiting up at the age of 46 for the New York Jets in a system that he's never played in before and yes. doesn't have time to implement his own system like he did in Tampa. Tampa was perfect for him, mm-hmm. and this would not be perfect for him. The only thing Tom Brady could do in this situation is lose. If he walks in because of the defense, because of the talent, if he doesn't win, it's a major disappointment and it's a pox on his legacy. And if he does win, it's, oh, well, we expected him to. There, It would just be too complicated of a situation. You forgot to bury the lead there because he's also working with Delta. And, right. I mean, he would have to leave that. What is it that he's doing again with Delta? Yeah, uh, he's going to be, um, he's going to tell him basically how to have better PR. He's, yeah, he's a market strategist. <laughs> yeah, market strategist. This is like the most random yeah. job announcement ever. Yeah. The most insane thing ever is that they were like, no, no, it's a real job. And we're all like, are no, you sure? No one gets a real job. You do you do like a press, professor emeritus, like board member stuff after you, yeah. you're one of the most famous people on the planet for a little bit. You just like coast. You yeah. don't do actually active stuff. Eat some real ice cream, you weirdo. <laughs> just, yeah, there you go. Enough of that pistachio stop stuff. Stop with the Botox. The stop just, with the supermodels, all that stuff. Yeah. Just one, one little bite of cookie, cookies and cream, mm. cookie dough, and this he will sit down on a couch and just... Oh, he'll, he'll the, feel the, good for yeah. the first time in 20 years. You know, Joe Girardi once said when he was managing the Yankees that he was able to get his sweets fixed for a day by eating one M&M? 
one one M and M. No, that is like the best discipline on earth. Just one M and M. M and M. Yeah, that wouldn't satisfy me. I'm, I got to get the shareable bag and just pour them down my gullet. <laughs> or you even get like the minis, you know, container. I love yeah, the minis oh, M and M containers, yeah. and do the whole thing yep. just in one. <laughs> does that count as one M and M if it's it one does, whole yeah. container? <laughs> what a way to like start your day out with like a self a self like control exercise. One Lay's potato chip, one M and M. You eat them both, but that's all you get. Oh man, who could do? I I couldn't do it, Randy. I would crumble immediately. You know what? I can't eat even at one time one Pringle. Like <laughs> I, if I get Pringles, I have to let, get like a half inch and stuff them in my mouth. <laughs> so do you guys, can you do one Pringle? Come on, yes. don't make me look that bad. Only because here's the thing: Pringles are kind of like the Ritz cracker that they dry your mouth out. So fast, so if like mm-hmm. you do too many Pringles at once, oh, and you haven't yeah. taken a drink of water in a few minutes, I have no problem. With you're that. gonna be in a, you're gonna be in a literal. <laughs> we like, know you, had, you ate a whole chocolate bunny. We know you don't have any problems with any of that. No, I, I can. After the chocolate bunny, I challenged Randy to a taco eating contest, and the look on his face told me that I made a mistake, and I never mentioned yeah. it again. And he forgot about it. Thankfully, yeah, I I can win a taco. Wait, no, I need contest. to see this. He spared me from. I no, I thought I had. I thought I had the measure of the man, and then I saw what happened to the bunny, oh. and I was like, he's going to double my taco yep. count bow out bow out silently <laughs> brooke the two contests that i could win okay are a taco eating contest and a blt eating contest that's a, those are two very specific things they why are. the blt because that that would be that would i feel so, like that'd be hard to do have you ever heard that if the the feed area for cows breaks mm-hmm. the, the cows just keep eating they they keep they don't have control of their appetite they just keep eating until they literally explode <laughs> so it actually happened i i have family up in northern oh wisconsin that's uh that they, it's a dairy farm, and one time their little area—I don't know what it was—but the the feed area broke, yeah. and the cows just—and they fi- fortunately got there early because the cows would have just kept eating and eating and eating and eating and eating. Well, that would have been me with BLTs. I, <laughs> I can't stop. I'm like the cow. It's eating and eating and eating and eating, and that's how how and why I could win. I don't know why, but oh I just don't gosh. get full when I eat BLTs. Wow, that is that is good to know. What is your idea of a good BLT, by the way? Is crown there mayo candy. involved? It's, 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 oh yeah, it's crown candy. It's uh, crown candy is the best BLT in the world. Mm. In the world, so uh, yeah, so that's the best. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk to the All Star Defender from St. Louis City SC, Tim Parker. He's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the only way City knows how to play. Oh, that's completely given away. And it's an equalizer. In a word. Chaos. Oh, it's a giveaway to Klaus, who clips it and resists the angle and scores a wonderful goal. We're breaking down City SC on the opening drive in our weekly segment we like to call Controlled Chaos. Brought to you by Keystone Event Staffing. Better people mean better events. This is out today. Brooke Grimsley, Randy Carricker, the opening drive on 101 ESPN. St. Louis City visiting Houston on Saturday, a 7.30 game at the Shell Energy Stadium. And the former captain of the Houston Dynamo, Tim Parker of St. Louis City SC, joins us now on 101 ESPN. Tim, thanks for taking the time this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. I want to start with this. What are your emotions? What have they been as you prepare for your return to Houston, where you were such a big part of the Dynamo for the last few years? Yeah, you know, uh, I still have a couple of friends down there um, on that team, and 
and they're having a good season this year. So, um, you know, I'm definitely excited to be going down there, sitting in first place. But uh, so I think it's definitely going to be a good feeling for this weekend. Tim, it feels like especially after this weekend, no one knows what a handball is. So what is your interpretation of the handball rule now? Yeah, I gave up as well. Um, <laughs> it's 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 so it's so um, it's not it's it's just not black and white anymore. It's kind of up to the interpretation of the referees, and for some reason, it, it feels like the referees uh, always interpret it against us. If you were put in in their shoes, do you think their job? should be easier because we sit here as fans and we say that's pretty obvious and i know that players and coaches always give the benefit of the doubt not always but they tend to give the benefit of the doubt to officials because it's hard is it really that hard <laughs> um yeah i don't know you know i think i think they do a good job at times of managing games but um when it comes down to big moments that can swing games i feel like that is where um, we can continue to grow as a league and as a referee association in America. I think there's a lot of room to grow, and it's something that's definitely been an emphasis for the players uh, in the last couple of years. If there is something that you could change about that moving forward, what what would you think the suggestion would be? Yeah, you know, I mean, the handball rule is pretty tough, but I think that we've also gotten done on a couple of offside calls that have been pretty cruel. So, um, yeah, you know, I think obviously the Premier League has um, VAR to the to the extreme with all the computerized systems and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that I think that that's the final answer because it does take away that human effect of refereeing, but I do think that it just makes everything cut and dry. It makes everything black and white, so there's a right and a wrong, and there's no real argument against it. Tim Parker with us on 101 ESPN. And Tim, one thing that your side has proven to be is really resilient this year. When times are tough, you guys bounce back really well. Where does that come from? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, to, to be honest, in a little bit of a way, it comes from a little bit of just being a young team. You know, I think the ability to 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 play the next play, to play the next day and forget about the last result is something that we've benefited from being young and being being fearless in those moments. What has it been like getting Zhao Klaus back and then also just getting back to more full health with the team? Yeah, it's been great. You know, obviously um, having Klaus gone for such a long part of the season and um, to be in first place and to be where we are right now is it, it, we're sitting in a very good spot, but um, there's still work to do. So, I mean, we're really happy to have him back and have a lot of the guys that were injured back. And now it's can we can we continue to push for the playoffs and, and get ourselves into a good situation come, uh, come the end box over. A dinner on with a goal this past weekend, again, for City SC. What have you thought about his progression? Yeah, I mean, Sam's, Sam's been incredible for us since he's come back. You know, he's scored a lot of important goals. Um, he's truly bought into everything that we that we needed out of him as a forward. And I'm really happy for him, too, because sometimes it takes a little bit of uh, confidence to just get things going. And when he came back from his loan spell with San Antonio, I think he came back with that confidence, and then uh, he's been flying ever since. Hey, Tim, you, you mentioned that uh, you still have some friends down there with Houston. Uh, are there any things that you've learned over the last couple of years that can help you 
in a game, does having played for them benefit you at all going into this one? Um, yeah, in some ways it does. You know, I think I can I can understand player tendencies a little bit better, but they are a different team than when I was down there, even from last year. You know, they, they really have flipped the roster around and the coaching staff. But um, I will be able to warn the guys that it's going to be hot, even though it's uh, even though it's in September. What has it been like working with Nielsen, and what makes him such a special defender? Yeah, it's it's been great to work with Joachim. You know, I think it's one of those things that we've been waiting for him to come back, uh, especially myself. You know, I uh, I've been waiting for him to, to play next to him for a while now. So yeah, and you know his composure. You know, he reads the game really well. So. Um, having him next to me when he's able to break up plays pretty simply by just reading reading what the other team's going to do, it makes my job a lot easier. And also, just because we haven't spoken to you in a while, what is it like seeing the fan support on the road? Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that Kansas City game. Um, despite the result, you know, how many City fans were there, um, it was it was amazing. You know, my dad was even in the stadium, and he told me that uh, everywhere he saw, he basically saw someone wearing red. And he was like, I've never seen something like that before, believe it or not. Hey, Tim, as one of the veterans on this team, I'm sure that some of the young guys are looking at the lead in the conference and, and thinking ahead. How important is it for you to relate to the young guys? Hey, we got to just do this one game at a time because it can it can slip away in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in the MLS, it's all about catching fire at the right time, uh, just like with a lot of sports. So as, as nice as it, is, as it is to be in first place at the moment, um, we really want to kind of, you know, catch rhythm and catch fire at the right time so that we're peaking when we hit, the, uh, when we hit that playoff game. Now, I have to ask you about your new venture or partnership, I guess I should say. You've partnered with Four Hands Brewing to create the Parker Pilsner. So tell us about that. And also, is this just another cool way to kind of connect with the fans here locally? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, exactly that. You know, it came into like a, a little bit of a conversation um, with uh, I work with a marketing agency out of Kansas City. Um, her name's Giovanna. And when I worked with her, she, I would go back and forth with her about, yeah, you know, I like to enjoy like a beer after the game and I enjoy the citywide beer. And then she decided to reach out beforehand to see if they would have any interest in possibly partnering up together. And we basically sat down one afternoon and we like, came up with an entire timeline of how we were going to build this out before the end of the season for kind of like a, a temporary drop. And then hopefully we're going to drop uh, – another round of it next year as well. And what are you looking for? What's Tim Parker's perfect brew? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's pretty close. I mean, if it's not the Parker Pilsner, it's pretty damn close. So, you know, I think I just, I enjoy a light beer. I'm not a big IPA guy, so I enjoy a light beer, especially something that I can have, like, drinkability with. Um, so, yeah, when, when, when it was pretty nerve-wracking when I had to sip the Parker Pilsner for the first time in front of everyone at Forehands, and, and uh, you know, I didn't have to fake anything, so I was really happy. That's awesome. Hey, Tim, it's great to have you with us. Good luck this weekend. We always appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, no, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Take care. Tim Parker, all-star defender for St. Louis City SC, a seven-point advantage in the Western Conference right now. And despite what happened last week against Galaxy, and they had a 2-0 lead and it slipped away, 
through no fault of their own. Mm -hmm. But like he said, they're resilient and Sometimes it's good to have to have uh, that youthful exuberance where you aren't thinking about what happened before. You're thinking about what what's going to happen next. And Brooke, by the, the way, is wearing her City SC cap. This I morning. am big City SC fan. It's been so exciting to watch them this season. And the handball rule there there was so much controversy this past weekend with that. It almost feels like the new goalie interference <laughs> situation with the NHL, right? Isn't right. that what it feels like? Where yeah. it just is left to interpretation and it changes with each team. It feels like. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Matthew is here. Carrie is out sick today. Coming up, the fight on 101 ESPN. You need, to, need to fight there? We do. We do. So text in to 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Your name and the word fight, and maybe you'll be fighting next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner. Joe Listener, and in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive, please welcome Randy Carricker. And welcome back to the opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Randy Carricker, Mega Mine, aka because it's time for the fight. No Kerry Davis today. He is out today. Which is sad because we know this is always his favorite Carrie, time of the I'm day. I'm so sad you're not here. Well, I guess we'll see the if... The pot remains uh, unstirred, you jerk. He'll find a way to text in, probably, and stir the pot He's anyways. done it before. He's I know he has because he loves your gotcha uh, questions. You know we all do. We all. And now we're going to welcome into the fight Bart. Bart, how are you doing this morning? Great. Can I give a quick shout out? Happy birthday, my wife, Gerald. Oh, yes, of course. Happy birthday to her. Are you excited, Bart, to try to, I guess, win on her birthday to give her an early birthday present? Oh, yeah, but I'm not too confident. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Oh, you just got to believe in yourself. Yes, yeah. Brock. Bart, can I ask, is, is Bart short for something? Uh, Yeah, it's a long story. My parents named me Barkley after Barkley Plager, but unfortunately they spelt it wrong, so... Why they come up with Bard, I don't know. Whoa. That's I actually like that. Story. Wait, how, that's so ask, interesting. Can I ask how they spelled Barkley incorrectly? Yeah, sure. It's B A R K L E Y is the way they spelled like oh. I, so I got I got teased about being the dog on Sesame. Oh, oh no. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Bart. Uh, oh. No more name questions no, then. Not, it could be worse. Exactly. <laughs> the, that's a great story though. All right, you ready, Bart? I'm ready. All right, question number one. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs combined for their 30th regular season touchdown, becoming the second-ever Bills duo to hit that mark. Which wide receiver paired with Jim Kelly for the top spot of 65? Is it James Lofton, Thurman Thomas, or Andre Reid? I'll go with Andre Reid. On this day in 1987, Vince Coleman notched his third straight 100 stolen base season. There are only four players in live ball history to swipe that many bags at any point in their career. It's Vince Coleman, Ricky Henderson, the base burglar, Lou Brock, and what other player? Is it Ty Cobb, Ozzie Smith, or Mari Wills? I'll go with Ty Cobb. That's probably wrong, but I'll go with it. All right. That was the first overtime punt return touchdown since which Cardinals rookie walked off the St. Louis Rams in 2011? Is it Patrick Peterson, Andre Roberts, 
or Dominique Rogers Cromarty? I'll go with Peterson. All right, Julio Rodriguez became the fourth player to tally a 30-30 season, that's 30 stolen bases, 30 home runs, by age 22 and the second-ever Mariner. Which other young Seattle star pulled it off? Was that Alex Rodriguez, Jay Buhner, or Ken Griffey Jr.? Uh, Ken Griffey. All right, we'll double-check the score. And we will bring in Randy Carricker. Bart, how are you feeling? I'm just glad it's my wife's birthday. I'm happy about that. (laughs) Well, hopefully, let's see what Randy has coming in. No snack today, Randy. I had a banana. Okay, you already had your banana. No Propel, no Mountain Dew. Oh, you already got ahead of the game. I, yeah, I finished it up. How about that? <laughs> how, how about that? How about that? Randy, say hi to Bart. Bart, good morning. How you doing? I'm good, Randy. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. Bart has a wonderful story. Just real quick, before we get to the fight, Bart has a wonderful story about the meaning of his name. Do you mind sharing it again so Randy could hear it? Oh, that's fine. Uh, my When I was born, they named me Barkley, and they meant, it named me after the Blues Barkley Plager. Unfortunately, I spelt it B-A-R-K-L-E-Y because my mom did it, not my dad. So, <laughs> yeah. So now I'm, I'm now you know it was kind of in school. I was more known as the Sesame Street dog Barkley. <laughs> I love that That's story. Great. Yeah. Good and to have you with us, Mark. Yes. <laughs> All right, Randy, you ready to get started? Ready. Question number one: Allen and Diggs combined for their 30th regular season touchdown, becoming the second ever Bills Joe to hit that mark. Which wide receiver paired with Jim Kelly for the top spot of 65? It's almost got to be Andre Reid, the Hall of Famer Andre Reid. I will go with him. On this day in 1987, Vince Coleman notched his third straight 100 stolen base season. There are only four players in live ball history to swipe that many bags at any point in their career in just one season. It's Vince Coleman, Ricky Henderson, the base burglar Lou Brock, and who else? Maury Wills, 104. That's a, the, can you re- repeat the question? I just want to make sure that I get it right. Um, three straight 100 stolen base three seasons straight. for Vince Coleman. There are only four players in live ball history to swipe that many bags at any, any point season. in so, one season in their career. Yeah. Vince Coleman, Ricky Henderson, Henderson. Lou Brock, Lou. and... And Maury Wills. That was the first overtime punt return touchdown since which Cardinals rookie walked off the St. Louis Rams in 2011? Uh, Patrick Peterson. Yeah, that's uh, I, I went 2011. I think that was the game. The resignation actually. So, your voice. No, here's here's okay. So Marty Kilcoin and I were actually talking God. about this a couple of weeks ago. So I do Martin's show over at Channel Two after that game, mm-hmm. and Martin and I both say, "Hey, they got to call Jeff Fisher. They got to uh, right now." Spags, that was it for Spags. They got to call Jeff Fisher. And actually, Kevin Demo was watching, and so when things would go bad with Jeff Fisher, he would say, "Well, you asked for him." And you got him. We so, you know. Okay, yeah, we'll take the blame. Marty and I take the blame. We will own the fact that we hired Jeff Fisher. Kevin is such a swell person, isn't he? Swell. Yeah. Swell. That's one word to describe. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I do the fourth one. My bad. Um, Julio Rodriguez became the fourth player to tally a 30-30 season by age 22, 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases, and he became the second ever Mariner to do it. Which other young Seattle star pulled that off? I would say that that would have been Alex Rodriguez. Final answer? Uh, yes, sir. 
All right, Bart came in here, a man named after Barkley who got no hockey questions. Despite that unfortunate coincidence, was he able to take down Megamind? Or does Megamind roll on to a 2-0 start, much like the Missouri Tigers, although his wins... Better? Better wins? Maybe. We'll see. Is this another close one? Yesterday was a close one, Randy. We'll see. Much like the Tigers. Did he get by by the skin of his teeth? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Bart. Uh, Randy's not the Missouri Tigers today. He beat you by a two-score lead, four to two. All right, I kind of, I kind of stumped on, but hey, I lost to the best, so there you there go. You go. And happy birthday to, to your wife. Exactly. I and appreciate. It. Thank you. I'm sorry for the no hockey questions. Josh yeah. Allen and Stephen Diggs combined for their 30th regular season touchdown, becoming the second ever Bills duo to hit that mark. And it is in fact Jim Kelly and Andre Reid with 65 touchdowns on this day in 1987. Vince Coleman notches third straight 100 stolen base season. The only players to ever do 100 stolen bases in any season in the live ball era. Vince Coleman, Ricky Henderson, Lou Brock, and of course, Mari Wills. That was the first overtime punt return since Patrick Peterson walked off the 2011 St. Louis Rams with a similar OT punt return that broke my heart. And Julio Rodriguez became the fourth player to tally a 30-30 season by age 22 and the second ever Mariner. You want to think Ken Griffey Jr., but it was in fact Alex Rodriguez who did it when he was a Mariner. So a nice 4-4 hit the jack for Randy Carricker. You heard Mr. Buck, a big win, 4-2. Bart, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show again. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. We do appreciate it, Bart. That is the fight on 101 ESPN. Coming up, is there a second-half Cardinal that's changed their 2024 plan for better or worse? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Brooke Grimsley, I'm Randy Carricker. Kerry Davis out today. He is not feeling well. Hopefully he'll be back with us tomorrow. Matthew Rocchio is also here. And as the Cardinals head down the stretch here in the 2023 campaign, they are looking towards 2024. And so are we. And you look at second half performances, and maybe some guys have changed the, the bandwidth of what the Cardinals think of them for better or for worse. And Brooke and I are each going to take a look at a pitcher and a hitter, but we we have gotten texts and we do appreciate your texts. One of the things that we're looking at is guys that really have not had to change the Cardinals' perception of them, Mm -hmm. but maybe have reinforced what the Cardinals thought. I don't think that, for example, Jordan Walker has changed what the Cardinals think. I think he's just reinforced what the Cardinals think. I think regardless of what Jordan Walker did, he was going to be their starting right fielder in 2024. I think that if anything, the second half of the season has proven that you feel a little bit more comfortable with him Mm -hmm. as defensively, I guess is the best way to put it, defensively because of the strides that he has made. And I think that that's one way you could look at, okay, maybe it has at least helped settle some of those concerns when going into the 2024 season about worrying about that whole DH position if he's going to have to do that more often. I think that he's come along as a defender. 
defender. And I think he has a chance to be well above average as a right fielder. He, yeah. I don't think that he'll just be a guy out there. With his athletic ability, his speed, talent. his arm, talent, yes. I think he's going to be an excellent right fielder. I agree. All right. So who do you have as a position player then? Mine, I'm actually going to go with Andrew Kisner as somebody who has possibly changed their perception for 2024. And you were spe- you were talking about this earlier, Randy, is that maybe they undervalued Andrew Kisner and some of his abilities. But offensively, this has been a huge season for him, a career-high season for him. He has a career-high 10 home runs, 30 RBI right now, 729 OPS for him. I think that Andrew Kisner is somebody has made positive strides this season. And when it comes to the catching position moving forward, however you utilize Wilson Contreras, I think it makes you feel more comfortable because what did they say in the absence of Yadier Molina that they were looking from the catching position? That was offense and I feel like he has made strides towards that this season and he's made strides defensively he spent a lot of this season throwing out less than 10 percent of the runners that's up to 19 percent he obviously can command a pitching staff we saw that when they decided to sit down Wilson Contreras right in the first half of the season so I, I look at every angle of Andrew Kisner and I like what I see now is he going to be a 120 game guy probably not but you've got Contreras here who by all accounts, it seems like, I don't know if it's the right thing, but they're going to give him an opportunity to catch. And then you have Herrera on the way, and Yvonne Herrera has had a great year down at Memphis. So I'm with you with Kisner. I think he has to be a part of this team. And if he starts next year on opening day, that won't break my heart. Really? No. So you don't see Wilson Contreras possibly being the starting catcher on opening day? I just think that to get a starting pitcher, I think they're going to have to move Gorman. Mm-hmm. And I think if you have Gorman and Contreras, you have two DHs. If you have Herrera, we, we talk a lot about defense. If you have Herrera, Kisner, and Contreras, and Contreras is not horrible defensively, yes. but I think he's your third best defensive guy if you have those three behind the plate. And then when does Ivan Herrera come into this? Do you? I think you got to start next season with him. What, Start he, on the opening day roster? Yeah, because... With three catchers? Well, but he can't... I think Contreras is a DH. What more can Ivan Herrera do in the minors? He's done everything that yeah. he can. you got a 1,000 OPS down there. You're catching great. They love his defense. I don't, And he's 23 now. There's, I don't think, anything else for Herrera to show. Now, maybe they move him in a trade so that they can get that, that number one starter. Maybe he's a part of that, and they move Contreras back behind the plate. But if Yvonne Herrera is in the organization, I think he's got to be here, and he's got to catch on a semi-regular basis. And they did get a catcher in that transaction with Hennessy's Carrera, if I remember correctly. They and did. a lot of people were kind of confused about why they went and got another catcher. But kind of back to your point with Yvonne Herrera last season – um, the numbers weren't there for Yvonne Herrera, but also it just felt like he didn't look confident yet at the major league level. When he came up here this season, he looked a lot more confident in himself and his abilities. I think that he feels that. It, yes, it's, you can see almost, it. Yeah, it, like he feels like he belongs, right? Yes. Uh, by the way, the catcher the Cardinals got in exchange for Hennessy Cabrera is Sammy Hernandez. Sammy Hernandez is the guy. I don't know. I don't think that he was like a top 30 guy. No. Um so I I hope that he's just somebody I, I there just, in the I, I organization. Him, I just wish him the best. You wish him the best. There yeah. you go. Another follow up question to that with Contreras and the way that he has improved offensively. Do you think in the Cardinals mind, if they're looking at possibly a trade, you bring up Nolan Gorman. Do you think in the Cardinals mind, seeing Wilson Contreras doing what he has done offensively, his progression that makes them feel more comfortable with moving on from a Nolan Gorman? I would think so. 
Yeah, it's interesting because we were talking during the break. Lars Newtbar has the highest OPS on this team, and Wilson Contreras is number two. His offense has been mm-hmm. fine. Now, he's not going to be big poppy as a DH probably, but he's good enough as a hitter that he can, you know, you don't want to spend $17.5 million a year on a DH, but that's where the Cardinals are. So I think that that's a possibility. By the way, Sammy Hernandez is only 19 years old. He's down to the Cardinals' Palm Beach affiliate, and he's hitting 216 this year in A ball. So he's probably got a ways to go. That's electric and, stuff. And, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, well done. Uh, let me just get the latest on Yvonne Herrera for you, and then I'll give you my player that uh, has changed. At least my perception, pitching I'll, I'll, wise. Yeah, for my my position player is Tommy Edmond in center field. I, I don't mm-hmm. think the Cardinals. I think maybe Ollie was thinking about playing Edmond in center field, and I I still would rather have him at second base simply because he's the best second baseman that they have. But he clearly has changed their perception. And Edmund, who probably in the first half of the season we thought of as an infielder, now is thought of as an outfielder. And I think he's probably established himself in their mind as their opening day center fielder next year. Do you feel like we've gotten more answers with the outfield in the second half of the season? Because in some ways you can say it seems like they are, you know, going to have Tommy Edmund as their center fielder moving forward, even for next season. But then you also have Alec Burleson around. You have mm-hmm. Richie Palacios. Do you feel like there have been more answers? And then, oh, by the way, you got to figure out this whole Tyler O'Neill situation. Right. And I think that you can just let Tyler O'Neill go. But n- next year, I'm penciling in in a number two pencil. Newt Barr in left, Edmund in center, Walker in right. And Burleson is my number four outfielder. I don't know if I have Dylan Carlson around. Richie Palacios is a a nice guy to have when you're playing meaningless games in August and September. But I don't know if Richie Palacios is a part of a championship ball club. Another Oscar Mercado. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, So I'm fine with, uh, with Edmund in center. And I wish that they would keep Carlson around as their fourth guy because I still think he has talent. And if he gets healthy and starts performing, then you could move Edmund back to second base. And it, one of the problems with Tommy is Tommy's not really great offensively. We love mm-hmm. Tommy, but he's not great offensively. And I think the Cardinals could have a better team, a better setup, if they would utilize Carlson in center and Edmund at second. I think that that's what most people believe, but it seems like they are more comfortable with Tommy Edmund in that position. The Cardinals definitely appear to be. Yes. Uh, By the way, this year, uh, at the moment, our buddy Yvonne Herrera is uh, hitting 296 in AAA, 444 on base, a 937 OPS. Okay, your pitcher that's changed the Cardinals' mind. My pitcher is going to have to be... Jojo, or we like to say Yoho Yo-ho. Romero. Jojo Romero, and I know that he's been dealing with, I believe it's a sore knee is what has kept him out. Sore knee, is that what it is? Is it though? I don't know. I think, because if it's the knee, that connects to the back, I think. Oh, no. How long has he had that? About a week back. Oh, oh. my gosh. No. I thought with Carrie out today that we we yeah. might miss these no. back no jokes. Chance. Oh, this is in honor of him. Rock's pointing <laughs> at the sky right now. Oh, my oh, gosh. Poor, okay, anyways, we're going to move on for that one. <laughs> but JoJo Romero, in my mind, the, the way that he has been able to step up, and I think that probably for the Cardinals this season, and literally everyone was waiting for certain players when there was an injury for other players to step up and take those roles. When you had Ryan Helsley go out due to injury, you're wondering who was going to take that spot. When you move Jordan Hicks, you're wondering who's going to take that spot. And Jojo Romero, his performance 
this season, especially in the second half, I think really you have to have him a part of that bullpen next season and a big part of that bullpen next season. I think he's the only relief pitcher down there where you say, <laughs> okay, I can put him in pen down in the bullpen. And that includes Ryan Helsley, who I believe will be here, but yes. there are no guarantees. But the one guy that I have confidence in, for example, there are no players, no pitchers that I have confidence in coming into a game right now in the Cardinal bullpen. Not one. No. And when he was healthy, he was the one. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you there. I think he's solidified himself. And certainly in the first half of the season, he didn't because he wasn't here. But I think he's solidified himself as a key member of the Cardinal bullpen in 2024. Yes. And I am going to go with uh, one of the obvious ones, Zach Thompson, who in the first half of the season was told to go down to the minors and stretch out as a starter after being the number one left-handed reliever to start the season. Well, in the second half of the season, I hope that he has changed the Cardinals' minds about what he is capable of being. In the second half... He is 4-3 and three with a 3.89 earned run average. Uh, he's started six games. He's been great. And he, most importantly, Brooke, has given the Cardinals innings with an opportunity to win. And that's what I'm asking for, for him or, or back of the rotation guys. Can you give me five and a third, five and two thirds, six innings or more with an opportunity to win the game? And when you look at what he's been able to accomplish, especially over the last month or so, he's really done that well. Do you see him as being possibly the fourth starter for the Cardinals next season? I think that And I say that just because yeah. of Miles Michaelis's recent performance. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a strong possibility. And once you get to three, four, five, doesn't really matter unless no. the other team has complete studs uh, throughout their rotation. But yeah, I could absolutely see him not only starting the season as the Cardinals number four next year, but ascending as the season goes along. And nothing against Dakota Hudson, but I know that a lot of people have brought up, even prior to last night, that why wouldn't you consider Dakota Hudson as one of those five starters for next season? And what have you always said, Randy, about the second half performance with Dakota Hudson or really a lot of other people? The whole team, right? Yes. From when they said, we're gearing towards 2024, don't believe it. Don't Mm -hmm. believe it. And I... Here's my thing. As much as I liked Thompson in the bullpen, I like him better as a starter. But I think that Hudson gives more versatility coming out of the bullpen than Zach Thompson does, too. So I have no problem with Thompson, or with Hudson, rather, being one of my bullpen guys next year. And yeah. he would I rather have him than Andre Pallante in the bullpen? Yeah, I think I would. Yes. So... <laughs> pretty simple. Uh, That's Brooke. I'm Randy. And uh, coming up next on 101 ESPN, we've got our Rush Hour Reset. Bad day in New York. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Nine oh four in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Carrie Davis is out today. Brooke Grimsley, Randy Carricker, Matthew Rocchio, and the Blues announced during that commercial break that Tory Krug suffered a right foot injury during training for the upcoming 23-24 season, scheduled to be re-evaluated on October first. Actually, suffered that injury. Uh, just within the last couple of days. And so he will be reevaluated on October 1st. I would think that hopefully this will be good news for Scott Perunovich. He'll get an opportunity to 
do what he can do and hopefully stay healthy because he and I don't think he can play he and Krug together, can you? Perunovic no, and Krug? they essentially are the same player except Scott Perunovic is younger and less proven. Mm-hmm. And he's dealt with injuries in the past. I think Scott Perunovic would be a little bit more excited, which of course he's never cheering, I'm sure wink wink Mm -hmm. for anybody to be injured especially one of his teammates but I think he would probably be a little bit more excited if it was more of a season ending or something that lasts a little bit longer because he's going to be reevaluated October 1st Tory Krug and so just looking at the Blues schedule right now they have their first preseason game let's see September 23rd Mm -hmm. and their first regular season game is not until October 12th. So I'm assuming that that means that we'll see Scott Perunovich for the entire preseason while they continue to evaluate Tori Krug. That'd be a huge chance for Scott Perunovich to at least showcase what he can do because mm-hmm. we haven't been able to see much of him recently because of his injuries. Tori Krug has dealt with a lot of injuries. Scott Perunovich in his early career has dealt with a lot of injuries. Uh, and Yikes. Brooke, I don't want to gloss over what you just said. The Blues preseason starts in 11 days. That feels so weird, Randy. It does. Usually, this is like one of the most exciting years, yeah. I feel like, in St. or time of year in St. Louis because typically the Cardinals are mm-hmm. on some nice stretch and getting, you're looking at like what, what's their magic number to get ready for the postseason. What a different time it is that it is right yeah, now for, for Cardinals. And then you get excited because Blues hockey is right around the corner. At least we have City SC. Yeah, we got them going for us, there which we go. is nice. Tim Parker joining us earlier on the show. And his former team, Houston, will host St. Louis City SC this weekend. By the way, uh, you mentioned the Cardinals' magic number. Uh, it is... Um, hold on. Oh, it's two. It's two. <laughs> so if Milwaukee wins tonight and the Cardinals lose tonight, the Cardinals will be eliminated from division championship. You know, when contention. I was talking about magic number, I was talking about the happy magic number, not the oh, sad magic the sad number. <laughs> the, tra- the tragic the number. Tragi- yeah, that's the best way to describe it. Opposite of the magic number. I am I think I'm more used to seeing that here in St. Louis yeah. during my time here. And their elimination number, by the way, for the wild card is six. So any combination of six Cardinal losses and Arizona uh, wins would eliminate the Cardinals from wild card contention as well. Uh, you talk about being eliminated from contention. Five plays in last night for the Jets. And that's three plays in a row where there's been pressure up front. That was- Rogers is down. Rogers is down. Rogers is pointing to his leg and his he got up on his feet and then fell down on his own accord and is now sitting up with his elbows on his knees. But Floyd got him and twisted Rogers. And the quarterback for the Jets is down. The Jets won the game in overtime on a punt return touchdown, but Aaron Rodgers is the story. An apparent torn Achilles, and he will likely miss the season. That is just absolutely insane. Bad. What is the best way to describe what we saw last night? Everything that led up to that moment. He's been the biggest story yeah. of the NFL this offseason. It's almost like a dream, right? It is. It is very surreal just seeing that happen. Somebody needs to investigate. If there is some sort of curse going on with the whole quarterback situation, Green Bay to Jets connection, because it's just Brett Favre in 2008, that situation mm-hmm. that played out, and you saw what happened with him there. And now you have this whole Aaron Rodgers situation. Maybe you need to look into Zach Wilson if he put a curse or some sort of hex on him. Because you remember he said that. He said... if. The Jets sign a quarterback, he's going to make that dude's life hell. 
That sounds like a curse to yeah. me. Somebody and did he go all Tanya Harding on him somehow? Probably, secretly? yeah, <laughs> something there. They uh, the Jets fans say that it's the curse of Joe Namath guaranteeing the victory in Super Bowl three that he made a deal with the devil that they're still paying for. So far in two thousand eight, yeah. two thousand nine, they trade up to draft Mark Sanchez with the fifth pick in the draft, go to a couple of AFC Championship games, then they draft Darnold in 18 with the third pick in the draft and Wilson with the second pick in the draft in 22. They have spent a lot of capital on the quarterback position and have not been able to make it work. As a Titans fan, I completely understand. Yeah, you get it, right? <laughs> I get it. Yeah. The, the Jets' odds, by the way, for winning the Super Bowl have gone from 16-1 to 1 to 35-1 to 1 overnight. Yikes. Yeah. So I guess that means that not everybody feels that comfortable with Zach Wilson no, uh-uh. as their quarterback moving no. forward. No, but there is. His mom's friend feels very comfortable with him. Oh, no, Randy. What? You already know. You can't do that again. Oh. Did you guys know I can purr? Is that Zach Wilson? Is that to yeah, his that's mom's what he said, friends? Said, mom's friend. You, did you know I can purr? And then, yeah, that, yeah. All the moms are rejoicing. <laughs> oh, yeah. So <laughs> right that, uh, you know, so. Yeah, he's trying to attract a cougar, and that's how you do it. You purr. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Cardinals play the Orioles tonight. Adam Wainwright goes for win number 199 for the Redbirds. Last night, Cedric Mullins hit a fifth-inning grand slam off of the Cardinal relief pitcher Andre Pallante. He came in in relief of uh, uh, of the Cardinals starter, Dakota Hudson, and Pallante promptly gave up a grand slam to Cedric Mullins, and the Orioles beat the Cardinals by a score of 11-5. to However, Sunshine Lollipops, the Cardinals did not need a home run to score any of their five runs. I guess that's a positive. Mm-hmm. I I guess. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I, I exactly feel great. Yes, we, we have talked about the reliance on the home run for the Cardinals this season, so that's good that they were able to do that last night. I just don't feel great about the bullpen moving forward. And maybe I just don't feel great about Andre Pallante and how whatever the situation is, you knew what was going to happen last night. You knew exactly what was going to happen last night. Now, hold on a second. We we I mean small ball though, Brooke. I mean they 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 hit well with runners in scoring position, and they really they they attacked the bags. They stole that's some nice bases. Now that that's happening, well, why didn't that happen earlier this season? Here's what what was going on earlier this season. You think? Yeah, wasn't going on last night either. Five of sixteen uh, uh, runners left in scoring or runners in scoring position. They went five of oh, sixteen. Okay, they repeat, left twelve. Repeat how many runners were left in scoring position? They went five of sixteen and they left twelve uh, runners on base. And we didn't see a lot of that while this Newt season. Newt Bar did steal his tenth base, uh, Wynn got caught stealing and was uh, and was picked off from first base as well. So maybe not the small ball we want to see once you dive in. No, not really. However. Going forward, only lasts 18 more games. Hey! <laughs> so, let's, let's, let's try to be positive oh, here. God, that Gosh. was depressing. Yeah. And the Cardinals are only two and a half behind Washington now for the uh, 13th spot in the National League. And they're only two and a half behind the Mets and, uh, let's see, three behind the Pirates in the National League Central. There is absolutely no way. If you would have said this to someone before the season started this year... What would you have said? Because I know that you... Oh, no chance. I, I thought yeah. they were a 93-win team and a, a playoff team easily. And yet 93 will get you into the playoffs comfortably this year. See, here, here's the issue here. By this time in the blue season, we'd already become comfortable with the phrase. And so Cardinal fans just understand it. Lottery odds. 
Just say it with me. Lottery, lottery odds. odds. Is that the conspiracy theory that they're purposely throwing these games no, by putting Andre Pallante out there so that they will? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm just saying that's that's what you're playing for. That's what you're watching right now. Definitely seems like four. they're doing that when, when you utilize yep. the bullpen in that way. There's your Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up from current AFC quarterbacks, we're going to try to pick out the next Manning versus Brady rivalry. You can tell us what your choice is just from the AFC next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. to be great you're going to be compared to somebody who was or already has been great and it's interesting Brooke when we look at the NFL right now because a couple of years ago when Joe Burrow was leading Cincinnati to the Super Bowl Steve Spagnuolo defensive coordinator of the Chiefs former head coach here he compared Burrow to Tom Brady said he looks just like Tom Brady to me people get ready to face Trevor Lawrence and they say man he's got a lot of Peyton Manning in him and that's why I brought up yesterday as we had our show meeting how I could see Lawrence and Burrow being the next Manning and Brady but then we start thinking about all the young quarterbacks in the AFC and there are so many who could be the the great rivalry when you have Patrick Mahomes when you have uh Burrow and, and Lawrence and Jared, uh, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Tua, you've got, and you could even throw into the mix if you want to. Uh, Deshaun Watson, there is a ton of talent. Who do you think the best rivalry among individual quarterbacks will be? Who will be the next Brady versus Manning? In my opinion, and this is just what I think, I think for just top three-wise out of the quarterbacks that you've listed and that you have listed on here, and when you're looking at the quarterbacks in the AFC, I think that Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Joe Burrow are by far the best out of all of those that are available. But when it comes to who will be the next big rivalry like that with Brady and Manning, I'm going to have to go with Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. To me, I think that that is the most obvious answer just simply because of postseason, right? With Patrick Mahomes, he has to be in that conversation because he's been there, done that. You look at everything that he has had. I mean, Super Bowl MVP, MVP, and then Super Bowl champ. I mean, there is there's so many things that Patrick Mahomes has already accomplished those other two guys are still chasing that, right? And when you look at the last three seasons, Burrow has more yards, Allen more touchdowns, but Burrow has won at times when it's mattered more. And what is it at the end of the day? Somebody can be a great quarterback in theory, but what is it that you remember Manning and Brady for? Winning. Winning and what they were able to lead their team to. That's why I think that Burrow and Patrick Mahomes are going to be the two that will be the next big rivalry. Those should, because they played in the playoffs back to back years, they should be a great rivalry. But I'm not going to dismiss Trevor Lawrence here because he has turned around a franchise much like Joe Burrow did in Cincinnati. They were abysmal. And then Trevor Lawrence gets there. The first year under uh, Urban Meyer was terrible. And then obviously last year, they make the playoffs in his. His second season, his first year under Doug Peterson. And I just see him ascending and getting better and better. The question I have, because I know that Kansas City has the ability to keep their group together, and Mahomes leaves money on the table so that they go can go out and sign uh, Chris Jones. 
Burrow just got the 275 over five with uh, an organization that yes. is not going to spend a ton of money. I'm looking at Lawrence and Mahomes, but I really, Brooke, am afraid to leave Justin Herbert out of this conversation because Herbert's the guy with all the individual numbers. Yes. If his team ever catches up to him, he is going to be on that list too. And by the way, we've got these names here, Mahomes, Burrow, Lawrence, Allen, Tua, Herbert, we don't even have Lamar Jackson, who's won an MVP on that list. Yeah. And it is always competitive. We already got one text from the 314 that says Tua and Herbert. Well, based on Sunday, that looks like it has a chance. The thing is, those guys have to start getting their teams to the playoffs. We talk about winning, and that's going to be the key. We saw Lawrence last year win a playoff game. We saw, we, we've seen Mahomes winning Super Bowls. We've seen Joe Burrow get to a Super Bowl. We've seen Josh Allen play, a, literally be 13 seconds away from beating Mahomes to get to a Super Bowl, So, uh, or at least advance in the playoffs. Herbert and Tua need to start making the playoffs. Yes, and that's the thing. Every quarterback since just the beginning of NFL history, they're judged on two things, right? postseason success and Super Bowls and so that's why it seemed like the most easiest and obvious answer but when you're talking about the success and comparing it to Manning and what Tom Brady were able to do obviously we're in the very early stages of this competition amongst all those quarterbacks that you listed so there's definitely time to see if anybody else can rise above but Patrick Mahomes is already way ahead in this race he has to be one of those two quarterbacks and I think so far Joe Burrow is the other one when we talk about the toolbox when we talk about youth arm strength, mobility, size. I don't think there's a single quarterback, Brooke, in the NFC that dents this list. The closest would be Jalen Hurts, who's Mm -hmm. great. I guess you could put him on that list, but you aren't putting Dak or uh, Sam Howell or Daniel Jones or even Justin Fields or, or Jared Goff. None of those guys love, not yet, none of those guys will go on the list. I, I would suggest that the only NFC quarterback that would be capable of being in the top six in the AFC is Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. And then other than that, I mean, I think they're kind of age-wise out of that category, but Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I don't, because I mean, of the age. Yes, Kirk Cousins. And other than that, I just don't know if you can even put anybody close to that category. Yeah. And I wonder if it's possible when we look at the AFC, can anybody catch up to Mahomes? He's already had three Super Bowl appearances. He's already been a Super Bowl champion twice. I I wonder even if Lawrence or Burrow is able to have a great couple of years, maybe even win back-to-back Super Bowls, are they still going to be what Patrick Mahomes already is? Because Mahomes is going to make the playoffs. I don't think so. I think think he kind of stands alone. When we talk about having a rivalry, it's going to be really hard for other guys to catch up to him. It is going to be really hard. And just to go back real quick, somebody texted in from the 314, Hertz versus Purdy. See, I just... I love that Purdy is succeeding, mm-hmm. but I don't think that if you put Brock Purdy on the Jacksonville Jaguars, that he would lead them the way that Trevor Lawrence has. I, I think that Brock Purdy is a guy that you win with, but not because of. Yes. And taking nothing away from him, but he's got an amazing offensive yes. line. He's got so many tools around him. And I just haven't seen him have to elevate people yet. No. And that's the thing with the 49ers. They are so well set up this season. The only thing that could stop them is injuries. That's what it feels like. Yeah. If you put, and we'll see what happens with Mahomes, but if you put Brock Purdy on that team that Mahomes took to the Super Bowl against Tampa with no offensive line, I wonder how effective he is. I just, 
and I, I like the guy a lot for the situation that he's in. I think all of these guys, again, Mahomes, Burrow, Lawrence, Allen, Herbert, if Tua plays a whole season, I think they're transcendent. I don't think that Brock Purdy is transcendent. No. It'll be interesting to see. I think a lot of the names in the AFC, they're going to give Patrick Mahomes a good battle. But it just seems like he, you mentioned it, stands alone in that category. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk to the Cardinal left-hander Stephen Matz, our friend, friend of the show. Uh, he, he, he will be with us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Kerry Davis is out today. Brooke Grimsley, Randy Carricker with you. And we go to the celebrity line. And Cardinal left-hander Stephen Matz joins us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Stephen, it's always good to talk to you. How are you doing this morning, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, let's start with this. You're out with a, a left lat strain at the moment. How are you feeling and what's your prognosis for the last few weeks of the season? Yeah, um, I'm feeling good. It's, it's definitely getting a lot better and improving. Um, definitely running out of time here. The uh, still haven't thrown yet. Kind of waiting for the doctor's clearance on that. So uh, unfortunately, looks like I won't be able to make it back this season just based on the build-up time. Stephen, what has this season been like for you? It seems like a lot of lows and highs, and then you obviously went on the injured list. But whenever you were able to rejoin the starting rotation on July 9th, we saw how well you were performing before you went on the injury list. What do you believe caused that uptick in your performance? Um, it's hard to put my finger on one thing. Um, you know, I think a little bit of a mindset thing. I think going to the bullpen and kind of, getting that edge and feeling like I belong back in rotation. You know, sometimes it's just a mindset thing and that kind of translates to conviction in your pitches and everything's just a little bit more aggressive going right, right after hitters instead of kind of pitching careful. So start to put my finger on one thing, but I would say that kind of sums it up. Steven, how frustrating has this been for you? With Before you got here, you make 30 starts for the Mets in 2018, 30 for the Mets in 2019, then the COVID season, and then in 21, you made 29 starts for Toronto, and you just haven't been able to consistently get to the mound. How frustrating has that been for you? Yeah, it's been really frustrating. Last year, um, you know, it was that freak thing with, uh, with the knee and kind of battle on my shoulder. And this year, I felt like I was in a really good spot, and, uh, you know, Although the team, you know, the team, we were kind of in a, in a tough spot, you know, after the second half and trading guys. But I really was feeling like really good. Like I was kind of showing the fan base, showing, you know, the front office, why they signed me. And, you know, I was really kind of turning my season around. That was a really good feeling for me. So to kind of get that lat injury, it was it really kind of took the air out of my lungs. Um, but unfortunately, I've been here before and, uh, you know, just got to try to learn from it, try to recognize some things. Uh, you know, why it happened and try to prepare for next year now. Do you think that you will try to maybe come back towards the end of the season or how are you feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, I just don't have enough time at this point, unfortunately, because now I haven't thrown in, I think, four or five weeks. Um, So uh, originally the idea was, you know, maybe the the end of the season is a possibility and as as time's going on, it's, it's potentially looking like it's not. So, uh, ultimately, I think a good goal is to just get to some type of throwing program where I'm feeling good going into the offseason now. 
Well, and I know that we've been talking to you about just like how tough the season has been for you, but it's been tough for the entire team as a whole. And I know that this has probably been weighing really heavily on everybody in the clubhouse. Have you guys talked about or even been searching for answers as to any reason as to why it just seems like the whole team stumbled out of the gate and struggled to find their footing this season? Um, we haven't really collectively talked about that. You know, I think, I think everybody's obviously well aware of it. And I think, you know, with baseball, you always kind of look at yourself as an individual and what you're doing to contribute. So I think, you know, if you look across the board, I think nobody has performed as they would like to, you know, nobody, everybody has underperformed to their expectations. So I think if you just look at that as individuals, you know, the guys who are coming back next year and, um, what can we do to be better going forward? And I, I think that's a that's a big big place to start. Stephen, last time I talked to you, go ahead. I, 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 I interrupted you there. Uh, last time we talked, your wife was heading out. Taylor Kane was heading out with her group Kane on a tour. <laughs> How has the the early fall and the summer gone with the the, the music group? It's going good. They are um, they're getting ramped up to go out for for the fall tour here. I think like September twentieth, and so that will run all the way through November twentieth. So about a two month stretch there. Uh, they're getting uh, they're getting ready to go, and uh, they're headlining. So they're excited, and uh, it should be a good fall for them. That's very cool. And is that obviously because it's your wife? You listen to the music all the time. But before you met Taylor, was that the kind of music that you were listening to? Yeah, yeah, I've always liked Christian music, um, and so, uh, or not always, but I would say for the past 10 years or so, I've really enjoyed Christian music, and so uh, it's pretty cool that she was originally doing country music when I first met her, and then they kind of changed over to Christian music, so that was that was cool for me. And I know that when we were chatting with you at the Big League Impact event over at Top Golf and how much fun that was, that you were talking about exploring St. Louis more, and not just in St. Louis, but even around it. Have you been able to do that some? Oh yeah, I've I've gone all over now. Um, I'm trying to think of the last place. My next place I want to go. I still want to go to Grafton, Illinois, and uh, and Alton, and kind of check out that area. But uh, I went to Kinswick. I checked out that little area on the river over there, and uh, haven't been to that castle. What was it Castle Rock Park? I think you recommended or something like that. Castlewood. Right, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Castlewood. Yeah. Castlewood. Yeah, Castlewood. So. But yeah, definitely got a few things on the list here. I got to check off before the end of the season. And you were a fan of the, the the Main Street in St. Charles too, right? Oh yeah, that's that's a uh, you know at least a once or twice a week visit for me. I got my favorite coffee shop over there, so I, I'm a frequent. Uh, over there. Very nice. The other thing that we learned about Stephen Matz when we were together at uh, the Swing for Impact event is that you are an avid cyclist. Have you had a chance, and I know with the lat it, you, you were still able to ride, have you had a chance to ride the Katy Trail much? Yeah, yeah, I have. With the lat, I've kind of been, been careful a little bit more, mm-hmm. but um, now that it's starting to feel better, I can I can get back out there, but definitely have uh, I've been on the Katy Trail and rode the bike, and uh, that's such a cool thing about this area is that is that Katy Trail it's such a, an awesome little bike ride or walk or whatever you want to do right along the Missouri River it's just just beautiful out there how much does bicycling help you in terms of pitching and having your legs be strong is that a key for you whether it's a, a, a an outdoor or an indoor bike yeah it is um definitely um I think it's good especially now with the um you know with the pitch clock I think cardio is going to play a bigger role um, 
in pitching, especially when it's really hot out, you know. So I think having your cardio uh, health really good is, is going to be uh, another player as well. Kind of like the olden days where, you know, the long runs and all that stuff were seems like it's kind of um, faded away a little bit in the game. I think it might come back because of this pitch clock. Stephen Matt's with us on 101 ESPN. And Stephen, we know that you're involved with Adam Wainwright and Big League Impact, and you're involved with the All Win campaign. What's the focus of your All Win campaign? Yeah, well, um, I decided to uh, go with a uh, foundation called the Backstoppers, and they uh, first responders, police who uh, have lost someone in the line of duty, their families just there for support. Um, it's something I did when I was in New York and played with the Mets doing the first responders, and we found the Backstoppers here in Cumming St. Louis and such a great organization. So that was the that was the one we chose, and they're just doing great things to support that, that line of work. And, Stephen, as somebody who's from New York, what sort of impact did 9-11 have on you as you uh, as, as we experienced the anniversary of 9-11 yesterday? What was the impact of 9-11 on Stephen Matz? Yeah, it was, it was it was big. I was in, I was in fifth grade at the time. Um, you know, where I'm from in New York, a, a lot of people would commute to New York City. Uh, it was about 50, 60 miles. People would take the train and go into work. Um, you know, my sister, one of her best friends, dad was a firefighter who passed away in 9-11. I had a, a guy I played little league with. His dad actually worked in the world uh, in the Twin Towers, and um, so it, it was it was really close to home. Um, seeing how the first responders, you know, just their role and um, and everything they did for the, for New York during that time is just um, is incredible. And they're still, you know, that was another thing we did when we were in New York. We supported the people that were just on the piles every day, working and cleaning and rescuing and they're facing a lot of health issues now. And so that was something in, in New York that we tried to raise money for is just the support of that health care and, and uh, for those first responders who are facing, um, you know, things today, like cancers and different stuff and bringing that, all that stuff in. Well, thank you what you did for what you did to help them. And thank you for uh, donating to Backstoppers. Uh, Stephen, before we let you go, uh, it's going to be, I'm sure, an off-season of getting back into the best condition of your life uh, for you. What, what's a typical off-season look like? When do you start working out again? And what sort of a workout does that entail? Yeah, I'm definitely um, I'm pretty excited about this uh, approach I'm taking this year. I've got with a few different people, um, you know, with the, the trainers in St. Louis, with my guy in Nashville with another guy I'm working with and everybody's kind of collaborating to come up with just a great program, just knowing my body, knowing my injury history. And uh, so it will start kind of right now. I'm kind of creating a foundation so I can go into the off season healthy. And then the next phase as uh, I'll be on tour with, with Taylor for a month, I'll be able to work out at local gyms and just create another next step. And then in Nashville, kind of there will be a 10-week block there where I really start getting after it. So I'm looking forward to it. We've got some really good things in place, and uh, I'm looking forward to next season. So Sounds good. Stephen Metz, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a good offseason. Hopefully we'll see you uh, before the, the bell tolls on this 2023 campaign. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you. Take care. Stephen Metz, and you can join his all-win campaign at bigleagueimpact.org. I, I love that he's been able – you don't like the injury, but the fact that he has been able to go out and explore here mm-hmm. in the St. Louis area. He's got to get out to Castlewood. Yeah, 
and he, he loves the area. And I just hope, you know, we mentioned 30 starts, 30 starts, 29 starts in his last three full seasons before he came to St. Louis. And like he says, he's got a new program and they're working. Hopefully he can get to that point where he makes 30 starts for the Cardinals. And if he can, we know what he's capable of. We saw that before the lad injury. Hopefully he can have a whole season like that. I agree. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up, we are going to give away some tickets, and we're going to have the grab bag giveaway. That's right, the grab bag giveaway for Bud Bash tickets. And we need three callers to compete so that you can determine how many... What we don't is it, is it we, Brooke? Is it going to be Brooke or you? Uh, who do you want it to be? Brooke, you want to name things? Oh gosh, yes, she I does. don't know. Yes, she yeah. does. It's going to look. Yeah. It's going to be Brooke It's going to be great. So uh, yeah, Brooke is going to have to name something from a category, and you get to pick how many. So we need three people to text in right now. Six five seven eight zero. No, not six five seven eight zero. I haven't done that in a long time. Three one four three nine nine. Nine six four six three one four three nine nine. Yo ho! And uh, we're gonna have a contest next on one hundred one ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on one hundred one ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock! Let's rock today. All right, it is your opportunity to win some tickets for the Budweiser Bash next Tuesday at the ballpark. Cardinals take on the Brewers on September 19th, and it's the final Bud Bash game of the season and features a limited edition Brendan Ryan bobblehead giveaway. You can get all the details for next week's Bud Bash game now at cardinals.com slash promotions. But we have some listeners that are going to guess how many of something Brooke can name in 30 seconds. Matthew, you've got the people on the line. Well, I have Brooke with the grab bag here. So, Brooke, we're going to reach over to the grab bag for you, and you're going to pull out just one thing there. Just pull out one thing. All right. Okay. You got it? What is it's it? It's a Fenton Barton Grill hat, by Fenton, the way. Of course it's a Fenton Barton Grill hat. Of course it is, Randy. Of course. Yeah. Okay. It is... U.S. State Capitals. All right, so Ooh. she'll have a potential for, Randy, help me on this one. Uh-huh. Is it 50? It'd be 50, right? Is it 50? Uh, that's right, 50. Okay, yeah, there 50. are 50 uh, State okay, Capitals. Potentially, yeah. potentially could list. I'm, just, I'm, giving the, I'm giving the listeners the cap, Brooke, so yeah, that they know what listen. to keep their guests under at least. So we have a 0 to 50 range is all I'm saying. 30 so seconds, Brooke will have by the way. 30 seconds, 30 seconds to list as many U.S. State Capitals as she can. Let's get the guesses from our callers here. And our first caller on today's show, it's going to be John. John, how many Capitals in 30 seconds, U.S. State Capitals, can Brook name in 30 seconds. I'm going to go with 16. All right. Big guess there for John with 16. Let's go to caller number two, Brendan. Brendan, how many U.S. State Capitals can Brooke Grimsley name in 30 seconds? 37. Wow. In 30 seconds? Let's go to guess number three, Jeremy. Jeremy, how many U.S. State Capitals can Brooke name in 30 seconds? I'm going to split the middle. Let's do 20. All right. Jeremy's going to split the middle. We have our guests our guesses in from our guests. Brooke, are you ready? I would have to been name... going pr- Price is Right rules here, by the way. Okay. Like, just... Are you yeah. ready to name as many U.S. state capitals as you can in 30 seconds? Yes. All right. Ready? Okay. Set. Go. Uh, Jeff City, Nashville, Little Rock, Oklahoma City, uh, Washington, D.C., obviously, um, 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 Baton Rouge, Columbia, uh, Springfield, right? Springfield, yep, Illinois. Illinois yep. um, 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 Santa Fe, 
St. Paul? You're on a roll. Uh, I was trying to remember all the places that I've lived. At least I should be able to remember those those? state capitals. You destroyed the four that I would have gotten, Brooke. I'm I'm telling you that right now. You annihilated what I would have gotten. That's really intense in 30 seconds. It is intense in 30 seconds. Ten's a very good number for Brooke Grimsley, and we have a winner for our tickets today. It's going to be John. His guess was 16. So, John, you are taking home those Bud Bash tickets. Congratulations, and thank you for playing today. Yep, yep. I, I... Thought I took too high a number, and then everybody went above me. I'm like, well, I think I'm good. Yeah, prices right rules are great. I forgot it was 30 seconds. There yeah. it is. Thank you so much for joining the show today, John. <laughs> we'll get you your ticket information in the text line. There it is. I'm uh, sorry to disappoint everybody well, that texted in because 37 God, that in 30 been. seconds would have been incredible. I don't, I don't think there's a person who could do that. Oh, there's no. somebody. I don't think there's somebody listening to the show who could do that. I know. I already made somebody. Point, I, I get that Washington D.C. is not a state capital. I'm it sorry, counts. guys. It, it was just I was just going quickly here. That's the thing. You, you think you're like it's, I it's got so I got state capitals in the back of my pocket. Uh, yeah. I and just, then you saw Kerry with Super Bowl MVPs. It's tough. He gets like, the first it's two. The, it's the 30 seconds that mental block Can't of just like it. oh my mm-hmm. gosh. All three of us tonight are going to be at the Wingding at the factory in Chesterfield to benefit ucpheartland.org. And we'd love to have you join us. And you can go to ucpheartland.org slash wingding if you'd like to get tickets for the Wingding. Or you can just buy tickets at the door at the factory. And you want to get there uh, probably around 530 or so. And if you do stop by, stop by and say hi to us because we're going to be judging wings tonight. Now, Randy, you are going to be in the traditional category. I put in for Dryra Brook. What category did you put in for? Uh, traditional. Oh, okay. I, then. I'm a traditional gal. I was I was hoping one of us was going to go with the kind of the crazy, off the wall ones you get, like the you know they'll give you like a peanut butter and jelly one or like, uh, like a. They have a peanut butter and like jelly. A, they'll one? have like like a, a fried chicken and like waffle like wing or something like that. Like there's some like off the wall wings that the, these restaurants bring it to. And, and when you I mean when you look at it, 13 different restaurants. You got the lower the, the, the first tier ticket for all you can eat wings. You okay. got the second tier ticket that gives you beverages too. I mean, sixty bucks for for all you can eat wings a and a bottomless cup. I mean, that's I mean that's a deal. That's I mean, that's covering your Tuesday night dinner plans right there. Yep. Yeah. I was gonna be there no matter what. I'm just having they wanted me to, to judge. Six to nine at the so factory <laughs> in so Chesterfield. And again, so all you need to do is go to ucpheartland.org and get tickets for the Wingding tonight. So we'll be there. Randy, we got some texts uh, throughout the show today. Uh, people were a little disappointed in our excitement uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we got this yesterday as well. People were like, I thought this used to be a Dolphin show. It was. They unfortunately did not get the memo, I think, that we had to make a change. Yes, Michelle uh, grew up. Michelle Smallman, who, by the way, does the show before us, mm-hmm. unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Michelle grew up a fan of Dan Marino and the Dolphins. And actually... Our listenership, the Character and Smallman listenership, did vote for the show Character and Smallman to be a Dolphins. There we go. Oh. Before us from 5 to 7 here on 101 ESPN. But 
with the advent of a Super Bowl champion from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kerry Davis joining the show, and a huge fan of the Tennessee Titans, Brooke Grimsley joining the show, we decided to change allegiances, and simply because Kerry can allow us to actually wear a Super Bowl ring, and he did the other day, uh, we went to the uh, Steelers instead, and we are a, kind of a Steelers show. Even yeah. though they lost. We yeah. will throw the Dolphins a little bit of a bone, though, because after week one, because of the humongous game from Tyreek Hill and just the huge yardage from Tua, he jumped up to number two in the MVP odds. Hmm. When you have Jalen Waddle and you have and you have Tyreek Hill. Tua legit to quit. Here, here's the thing. Here, here, if Tyreek Hill goes over 2,000 yards, and let's say that Jalen Waddle also has a big like 1,500-yard season, the Dolphins win 12 games. Is Tyree Kill the MVP, or is Tua, with the quarterback bias, does he still take it? I think the quarterback bias gets it to Tua. Wow. That'd be insane. When's the last time a wide receiver won MVP? Has a wide receiver ever won MVP? I don't think so. Is this so. a fight question? I think so, yeah. Mm. <laughs> don't take it. Uh-oh. Don't take yeah. it from me. I have so I have so few yeah. good ones. Rocky is yeah. going to store that That's one for insane. later, isn't he? I think That's the quarterback insane. always gets it. When we watch him take five-yard throws and turn them into 75-yard mm-hmm. gains... And we might watch it for a whole season. And I know, again, Tua's gotten a lot better when it comes to throwing the ball downfield, but it would be honestly crazy if if it was still Tua no matter what with what with what Tyreek yeah. does. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it? <laughs> yeah. So bet bet Tua with the yeah, with take high the, odds. Take the MVP? longer shot. Somebody else is gonna Tua's gonna miss games and he's not gonna win the MVP. Wow. wow. We really just Sorry. aren't a Miami Dolphins show anymore. No, we nope. really aren't. Well, that was quick, wasn't oh, yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> by the way, I also have to say uh, thank you to Andrew Marsh. Uh, he took my marker yesterday. He we took a saw video that. of it. Uh, I saw he that. returned it, but wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. Okay, we're writing something. Uh, by I'm the way, just seeing. Does it still work? It works. Nice. Wow. Oh my boy, good. This guy's a survivor right here. Don't forget to join 101 ESPN for Blues and Brews next Friday at the Anheuser-Busch Brewery. Get fired up for the blues season at an outdoor street party that features live music from country music star Chris Lane and local blues musician Marquise Knox. Appearances by Jordan Bennington, Colton Pareko, Braden Shen, Robert Thomas, Justin Falk, Kevin Hayes, Craig Berube, and other Blues alumni. Food trucks, 101 ESPN giveaways, and more. Tickets for Blues and Brews are on sale now. Get all the details at 101ESPN.com. Blues and Brews, presented by Bud Light, 101 ESPN, and 92.3 WIL. Great job today by our producer and audio engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, we handled this well. We were able to do yeah. it without Kerry, which is kind of a shocker. How about it, that? Yeah, we, we, it is a shocker. Still miss Kerry. Yeah, he'll course. be back. He says he's feeling okay. That's Just, good. Uh, what's uh, the the to quote uh, for? Uh, You're giving for us an update. The, the, uh, the update apparently <laughs> official. Woke up feeling sluggish and in a little bit of pain, so he'll be back to oh, flash no. somewhere in St. Charles. Yeah, so we'll make it happen. No. We will. Hopefully you get better. Kara, if you're listening, get better yeah, soon. Absolutely. And coming up, we've got a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.